Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon commissioner i would like to introduce the new robin to you how's it going you old dirtbag well hello there young man it's a pleasure to meet you put her there piece of shit looking ass glasses ass having motherfucker how's it going my word, what colorful personality he has, Batman. Now, Damien, remember, respect. We are here to learn about the new potential case. Respect these balls, motherfucker! Your other companions have always been so forthcoming with the, their decorum. We know you have a spark plug going up your old rectum there, buddy. <laughs> My apologies, Commissioner. He's been spending a lot of time on something called Xbox Live. Fucking love Call of Duty, man. Kill everybody. Racial epithets are my thing. Damien, your mother is part Middle Eastern. Looks like you're enjoying your stint as the new Robin then, eh? How's that going? Wait, I thought we were about to bust some fucking heads in the streets of Gotham or what happened to that plan? Why are we even on this fucking rooftop if that's not the next step? I always have to... Live through this fucking bullshit. Go talk to old ass motherfucker and we can just check TikTok or Twitter or some bullshit. Follow the hashtags and go straight to the crime. But no, we gotta talk to fucking what's his nuts every goddamn time before we go on a fucking goddamn uh, patrol. I don't get it. Anyway, pleasure to meet you, young man. Damien, if you keep talking that way, I will take your Xbox. No! Well, you know me, Batman. I'm always one to spare the rod and spoil the child, but in this case, I'm gonna have to insist that I- I kinda respect him now.
Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, a Superhouse podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Juan, and my other co-host is... There are whores in this residence. Whores in this residence. Wet ass pussy. It's Andrew. You know, this is the <laughs> Superman deep dive, right? <laughs> I do know that. You think all Superman's wholesome? We're wholesome? <laughs> Absolutely not. So, uh, usually I am the man who knows too much about Batman, but today, shocker of all shockers, I'm talking about Superman over here. <laughs> so, uh, we've covered the Fleischer Superman cartoon, thanks to Andrew. And it established that I am not a huge fan of that cartoon. Uh, it seems like I got off the wrong foot with Superman fans on this show. You felt bad from that, that episode. I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I didn't want to make you feel that bad. You didn't have to do it, but I'm glad you did it. <laughs> and that, and then, yeah, so I brought up, I greatly prefer the predecessor, which is the radio series, which is where those voice actors come from. And Andrew, at one point in the podcast, asked me why you don't really like the Fleischer series but you do like the radio show and why is that so i thought I this episode for the audience yeah, yeah the this audience. episode yeah and for that audience this is my response to that why i think the radio show is a vastly you know more enjoyable superior adaptation of superman and his mythos despite being lesser lesser known uh so how much do you know about the superman radio series oh i've only listened to clips i mean i know it's bud collier and Mm-hmm. All the all the crew, most of the same voice cast from Fleischer, because I did yeah. the Fleischer study. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's it, man. Not a whole lot. I don't think I've listened to a full episode, to be honest with you. I've never gotcha. listened to a whole lot of the old-timey radio stuff. Right, yeah. And it's it's not like every episode is a winner either, so I can't really blame you. They were it like 1,600 episodes or something? <laughs> is that correct? It was on for 11 years, 1940 to 1951. So it, it was yeah, on for a long a ass time. Not every episode uh, has been found. So there are some that are lost. What uh, is the uh, average episode length? Uh, about ten to fifteen minutes. Okay. All right. Cool. That's doable, right? Like that's just a that's just a drive down the street. That's true. I should. Yeah. Is are they on? I'm, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but they're on YouTube. <laughs> like they're like uh, YouTube. I listen to a majority of this on YouTube as well as Spotify. Okay. Oh, they're on Spotify as well. Indeed, yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. And look who's here. Right there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he had technical difficulties. Superstar. I'm going to keep this intro in. You're, you're, you're coming in late to the game. This is how we're showing you. Technical difficulties for Santa Cruz. You're supposed to be faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> so, Wolfie, welcome. Here. He is here. Do I sound okay? Uh, yes. Okay, good. You do, actually. You do, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I was going to ask you, Wolfie, do you know, what have you heard, or what do you know about the Superman radio series? Mmm. N- like, really nothing, honestly. Good, perfect. You guys are the perfect audiences for this, because I'm about yes. to blow your minds. All right, I'm excited. Of the original, this may be the very first adaptation of any DC property, I believe. Whoa. I already uh, forgot Bud Collier's real name. It was like here does something here, here man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I changed my name Clayton too. Here man. Here yes. man. 
Um, I kind of grew up with it to me. This is when I think old school Golden Age Superman. This is what I think of. So I was introduced to it through like a CD set that I think was produced by the Smithsonian. And they had like the first six months worth of episode stories on that as well as like a booklet. That's cool. Talking Wait, about so historical. did you ask for this, or were your parents like, you like uh, Batman, right? So just here, here, here's a similar thing. I, no, 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 I, I, I asked them to buy it for me when I was at the store. I remember seeing it, okay. because okay. I had already grown up with, yeah, like it was a CD set. Cool. Uh, I wish I had it with me uh, on here, but it was a CD set. I had already been listening to the Shadow Radio series growing up, so I was just like, I like the Shadow I didn't know there was a Superman radio show, so maybe it's going to be the same thing. And I listened to it, and I didn't like it nearly as much as The Shadow. Mm. But now that I've an adult and I've gone back and seen, as well as listened to the later seasons of what that show would become, I've come to greatly appreciate this. And not just in terms of its historical significance, but the actual storytelling. So there's a lot more to this series to appreciate than just... Hey, like this is the first time that they use this actor, or this is the first time that they uh, introduced this concept. So, so you were listening to it as a kid, and you're like, eh, kind of lame. And that was <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> I had to revisit I, it. I did like it, but I didn't like the original episodes. Just like any TV show or any series, they're just trying to get their foot off the ground. They're just trying to figure out right, how it okay. is. Yeah. But I, I still appreciated it, but I didn't like it nearly as much as the Shadow because it's. The shadow was just way more interesting to me uh, than that, and they also hadn't quite figured out what to do. With the show developed over the eleven years, uh, so that's yeah, they were that's inventing powers and kryptonite, and, exactly. Yes, and uh, saving uh, saving people from the clan. Oh, uh. <laughs> yes, we are definitely going into that uh, towards the end. Cool. Yeah, uh, but the show first premiered in February of 1940, so two years after his appearance in. Uh, Action Comics number one in 1938. Uh, it's the thing, like, Superman was an immediate hit. Like, yes. They could not get, like, any of the, what do you call it, pulp magazines to to publish it at first, but as soon as they did, hit the fucking ground running, it feels like. Like, Superman, for back, lack of a better word, took off. <laughs> like, oh. I, you know, that's what came to me. But, yes, it took off yes. really quickly, it seems like. Yes, is this it the did. Conan show or what? <laughs> no, it's Fallon Riders. <laughs> Even better, it's Joke Fallon. Riders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Add in more unnecessary laughing to whatever your guest says. <laughs> so uh, the original sponsor was Hackers H O Oats, uh, and the originators though are were a press agent for DC Comics who was Alan Duchovny and a former Pulp Fiction author named Robert Joff Maxwell. Maxwell is not just one of the creators but one of the producers who went on to he was he's the main mastermind behind this as well as went on to help produce the George Reeves TV show in the 50s oh nice uh, he was there for a long time That's yeah cool. so okay. this guy if you were to compare him he he's like another significance he's like a Jerry Robinson a Denny O'Neill if we were to use the Batman mythos as a comparison like he added just as much as the original true creator Siegel and Schuster on here um, they first cool. started working cool. on it in 1939, and it was Duchovny and Maxwell who came up with the famous opening. And I actually have, thanks to a site called supermanhomepage.com, uh, they had the original written opening that's a little different from what we know uh, from the Fleischer cartoon. Faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look! It's a giant bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, 
a being no larger than an ordinary man but possessed of powers and abilities never before realized on Earth. Able to leap into the air an eighth of a mile at a single bound, hurdle a 20-story building with ease, race a high-powered bullet to its target, lift tremendous weights and rend solid steel in his bare hands as though it were paper. Superman, a strange visitor from a distant planet, champion of the oppressed, physical marvel extraordinary, who has sworn to devote his existence on Earth to helping those in need. <laughs> I like, I like that. <laughs> I because did, I didn't yeah. grow up with it, but like, yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah, well, also notice like they cleaned up the language a bit, so it's not faster, you know, faster than it's the speaking like, bullets. This motherfucker's from space. Yeah, yeah. Like notice it's uh, uh, able to leap into the air an eighth of a mile at a single bound, hurdle a twenty-story yes. building of ease, turn into <laughs> leap over buildings in a single is this, bound. A science book? <laughs> yeah. What is this a exactly. math problem? So science. Uh, I was out that day. Flies from Mexico to so, New York City. The company and Maxwell revised this over time obviously into the ones that we know and they later added that superman fights for truth and justice and then in 1942 america entered world war ii after so the pearl happened. harbor attack and that's when they added and the american way into oh. it because of the war uh and Ooh. they as they were developing it the one of the big choices that they wanted was, uh, of course, radio actor Bud Collier, as we talked about in the Fleischer episode. So they went to him and they offered him the role of Clark Kent Superman. And Bud what Collier said... What was he said, doing before this? Do you know? Uh, good question. He was the lead uh, radio actor in... He played heroic roles. So he played this globe... They called him a globetrottering adventurer, Pat Ryan, on NBC's Terry and the Pirates radio serial, as well as the title role on Renfrew of the Mounted. No idea. Don't Renfrew. know those radio shows. Sounds Renfrew adventurous. of the Mounted. Renfrew of the Mounted is going <laughs> going to save people. So, Sounds like adventure but like, hey, in the woods. Instead of being, you know, Renfrew of the Mounted, you could be Superman. And Bud Collier immediately said no. Wow. <laughs> Do any of these actors really want to do it other than, well, I guess Reeves and Cavill did want to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, keep in mind, this is first adaptation oh, yeah. of, a, of a superhero. That's true. It's like, yeah, this is Outside silly. of... Yeah, if, if you don't count, obviously, the pulp heroes like the shadow and everything. He's like, what, am I going to fly into their ears? Yeah, so he said, quote, I really fought to unload it. It was a funny thing. I fought with Bob Maxwell, who owned the rights of this thing. The whole idea embarrassed me. So I said, no. Wow. Thankfully, though, the very first episode doesn't have Superman at all. So the radio series kicked off this tradition that carried over into the Richard Donner movie, the Superman animated series, Man of Steel, where we spend 30 minutes on Krypton. Though in this case it's like 10 minutes because uh, it's a 10 minute episode. But they spent the full first episode of the Superman radio show is called Baby from Krypton. It's all on Krypton. It's all the Jor-El stuff, which today we're just like, okay, again, just like when whenever we see the Waynes get shot. But again, keep in mind, this is the first time that yeah. we ever yeah. spent any time on Krypton. There's always so, a first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and Bud Collier did agree to be part of this first episode. He is playing a member of the Kryptonian Council in the first episode. And not Superman, because there's no Superman in it. But he did agree to be part of it. Okay. Uh, so in the radio version, Krypton is a large planet or orbiting on the opposite side of the Earth's sun, as opposed to being uh, in another universe, like it would be adopted in the canon. So it's just in our solar system at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's just not discovered by man in 19, uh, uh -huh. 1940. Uh, it indicates okay. that uh, Kryptonians do have superpowers. So this was a thing in the old days mm. where instead of the whole like the yellow sun gives you superpowers it was more that 
they always had superpowers. Like, Lara brings up that, you know, for her to get to wherever she wants, she just has to take one step and she'll wind up at her friend's place. Like, that was how they, they did it. Um, yeah, I wonder what the state <laughs> of astronomy was in in 1930. Because we're, <laughs> we're in great. such a, yeah, we're in such a, you know, beginning stages of the moon all was, that. The moon was still made of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yes, at that time. So green, first, green men on Mars. The first actors uh, to play Superman's parents, uh, Jor-El was voiced by an actor named Ned Weaver, who would be a recurring uh, actor on this show. And Lara was voiced by Agnes Moorhead, a frequent collaborator of Orson Welles, and was a regular on The Shadow, as we talked about in the uh, Is Batman a Ripoff of The Shadow deep dive that we did a while back. She was Margot Lane, the main uh, confidant of The Shadow in there. So she kind of had a small role as Lara. Uh, and also another character established is a man named Rosan of Krypton. I keep wanting to say Roseanne, but it's Rosan, R-O-Z-A-N. It's not Roseanne. <laughs> he, he's tweeted under the influence of Ambien all kinds of racist shit, although it, it yes. was normal at that time, though. So. Yes, yes. And then so, it calls uh, a hubbub like it did. To this time around. <laughs> so Rosan is the head of the Kryptonian Council who sort of doesn't believe Jor-El uh, that the planet is going to explode. He's the uh, he's the big climate change denier, you could say. He's a Trumper. <laughs> and this character actually did show up in the uh, Superman serials as well as the George Reeves show. Uh, so he became a character that was adapted later on. Uh, on DC Fandom Part 2 yesterday, they recreated this episode with Eric McCormick as the narrator, uh, Katarina Scorsoni as Roseanne, uh, Yolanda Ross as Lara, and Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito as Jor-El, which I That's thought was cool. great casting. Cool. That's cool. Uh, also, well, I mean, Richard just Kine. To, just to reconfirm, Giancarlo yeah. Esposito is the El Pollo Loco owner, correct? <laughs> Los yeah. Pollos Hermanos. Lo- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Los Pollos Hermanos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gus Fring. I um, forgot. I forgot. He's also the voice of Lex Luthor on uh, the Harley Quinn show. So, oh, okay. uh, let's see. It also had Richard Kind, Sam Daly, and Constance Zimmer as other members of the Kryptonian Council. So, uh, that was How was their overall delivery and execution, uh, locution, locution? You know, it's, it's weird because I'm so used to hearing the 1940s style radio that when you bring like a modern take to it, it just doesn't feel the same. It's missing some vintage It epic, feels like epicness. It, keep in mind, like, I like some better than others uh, in there, I think. Uh, I'll get into like who I like the best when we get to those certain episodes. Um, I think John Carlo did a great job uh, as Joel, though. Uh, he had that like nice mix of like modern plus 1940s radio type of uh, melodram- melodramatic delivery type thing that was perfect for this. That's cool. Uh, cool. So I that like was that. cool. Uh, and but they had to go into episode two, and that's when Superman shows up. So Maxwell the mastermind behind all this, tricked Collier into returning to the studio to record a second show. I don't know how he tricked him, but I'm guessing it was just like, oh, we need like more dialogue for this. And then when they showed up, that's when he sat down with him and really convinced him, hey, like, take a shot at this, please. Uh, this is going to be kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. They originally weren't sure how to cast this. They're like, should we have one guy play Clark Kent and one guy play Superman? Again, this is the first time anyone's uh, had to cast yeah, I love that. a superhero. I love that, like, yeah, they're just figuring it out. We take it for granted now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, Collier said, quote, they didn't know whether they wanted one man for both of the parts, Clark Kent and Superman, or if they wanted two. They didn't know how he should be played or anything. So, okay. 
it's because of the fact that Koyer could switch voices from, Hi, I'm Clark Kent. Hi, Mr. White. How are you doing? To, this looks like a job for Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, up, and away. So, he, here's another thing. He received no billing for the role. Nobody said, introducing Bud Collier as Superman. He's never credited in the actual episodes, at least in the very beginning. Because he's uh, embarrassed by it? No, they wanted to, apparently, uh, the licensing arm of DC Comics, Superman Incorporated, wanted the true identity of the radio Superman to be kept secret so that kids would think that he was real. Uh, that this is the real Superman. Thus leading into George Reeves damn near getting shot by a kid. <laughs> In and Hollywood land. Talk a kid down. That shit's real, though, apparently. Do you know how he it, talked the kid down? You know the story? I, I saw the... Well, I saw Hollywood Land's version, but I don't think they really showed how he talked it down. It kind of just left off Dude, on a cliffhanger. the guy had a moment of fucking genius. George Reeves, the actor... All right, so just to set it up real quick... Yeah. This kid, kid fan, shows up with a gun and wants to shoot George Reeves to see if he's Superman or not. George Reeves, <laughs> on the spot, says to the kid... Oh, I remember this, yeah. If, if you shoot me, it will bounce off of me, but when it bounces off, you could hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. Nice. So he doesn't... He's smart enough to not shatter this kid's, um, you know, imagination and his world... Because he knows that'll just make the kid pull the trigger. So, it's just... I just thought it was genius. I thought that it was a stroke of genius right there. Yeah. That's how easy it is to get guns in America. <laughs> Some four-year-old walks up with an AK. At a, at a five and dime. A nickel... What do they call Five and he dime He got at the gun show loophole, so it's okay. It's only a twenty-two. It wasn't going to kill him. It was just going to maim him. Going to hurt him a little bit. Why, Superman... Yes. Tickle, yeah. Well, the Superman oh. didn't have to worry about that because Bud Collier was not known. And again, this is voice acting. <laughs> so just like most people yeah. don't really know what Kevin Conroy looks like, they might recognize the voice, but they don't know what he looks like. Uh, same thing with Bud Collier. Bud Collier was a thin man with a mustache. He was like a Clark Gable-looking dude. He didn't look like Superman. Right. He was a classically handsome Clark type. Gable. Yeah. Yeah, he, he still was. He still yeah. was. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't like he walked around. It's not like he looked like this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, Kevin Conroy's also like so lanky. Oh, yeah, for Batman, he is. You know, yeah. Um, the perfect voice, of course, but it's just you know. Of course, yes. <laughs> see, see, what's your experience with knight. heroics? What is your experience with heroics? Um, so during the 1960s, Collier would end up continuing the Superman role. So it started out as something that he uh, didn't want to do but it became a role that he loved doing and continued through into the 60s. So this is something that he did for like three decades. And he was Superman on record mm. albums, on the new adventures of Superman from 66 to 67, the Superman Aquaman at Hour of Adventure from 67 to 68, and the Batman Superman Hour of Adventure from 68 to 69. So basically just right through the same time that Adam West was showing up as Batman on live action TV. Uh, oh, wow. so yeah, That's crazy. I did not role. know it went that long. Well, there was an Aquaman TV show too, right? That was just Aquaman. I think so. Yeah, it's on. It was or it was on DC Universe. There, there was a time where Aquaman was like sort of popular for some reason. <laughs> I mean, he, before he, he was had, Jason Momoa, he's had a resurgence lately. But you know, there was like what forty years or more where he was made fun mm-hmm. of a lot. So yes, yeah. Let's see. So episode two is called Clark Kent Reporter, and this is where we get the first major change from canon. 
partially so that they can speed shit up for the story, which is that when the spaceship arrives in uh, not even in Smallville, but in on Earth, it's been so fucking long that Superman is a grown ass man when he steps out of the spaceship. That's Ah. Uh, there's no Jonathan and Martha Kent. He's he's he steps out of the Superman suit already. He's literally grew up on this fucking ship. I'm in. Finally, um, let's just get let's just get right let, to it. Uh, let's see that movie. <laughs> no Snyder's origin. Like, I like that one. <laughs> Take forever. <laughs> so it says he quotes he's hovering with curious power over highway in Indiana, and he quote wheels and turns in curious flight, unseen below. So this episode is the first instance of Superman flying in general. So we talked about this in the Fleischer uh, deep dive, how like there's a there's a common urban legend that it was the Fleischer series that was the first time that, that yeah, I, uh, I Superman totally flew. thought it was, yeah. Which, it makes sense because it is technically the first time you saw him fly. So like it, you're not necessarily wrong, but it wasn't the first to come up with the idea of it. It was determined that in the radio series, it's just awkward to be like up and down and up and down and, instead of the leaping thing. So we just have him fly. <laughs> So wait, he fl- comics come out, radio show comes out, and then radio makes him fly pretty much immediately. But the comics don't immediately copy no. the what the radio show's doing because they're like we're Not the OGs. Yet. Yeah, yeah. He's still just jumping. Yeah, so he's, he's just, still just yeah, jumping in just the comics. Around. And then eventually okay, the Fleischer series takes off, of course, and uh, I think with the popularity of that, then it transferred over. Uh, but yeah, the director Jack Johnstone had a bunch of sound artists create the audio effects and so the effect of the flying for many years was reportedly combining the recording of an artillery shell streaking through the air with a separate recording of a wind tunnel played backward cool. so you played it both at the same time Wicked. to make it sound like he's flying and you're hearing him fly uh, as well as uh, they slowed down the recording for man going down and uh, they stopped it completely once he drops to the ground so that's how you knew that he took off went down and then stopped also helps because in the dialogue of the radio, he's like, up, up, and then he's like, down, down, <laughs> to indicate that. Um, but his first heroic act is that he sees this father and the son, and it's, the, it's a professor and his son, Jimmy, not Jimmy Olsen, because he's not been created yet. Um, they end up in like this runaway trolley, and the kid says, look, they're in the sky, it's a man, he's flying. Again, somebody commenting that Superman's flying, something that he had never done before in the comics. It's a bird. Wait, why are you so excited yeah, about like, a bird? Yeah, they don't, they don't even say that part. That yeah. part's yeah. weird. Uh, Superman saves both of them, and he says, like, hey, like, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all my friends. Oh, wait, no, that's a different movie. He says, <laughs> <laughs> he says, I want to see and observe the best and worst of humanity. And the professor says, well, why don't you become a journalist to observe humanity and blend with society? Ah. And they're like, well, I can't go in these clothes. These are the clothes of Superman. I have to be something else. And Jimmy gives him the name of Clark Kent, something, you know, very ordinary, something very bland for him to blend in. Uh, And then he says the biggest favor they can do is not tell anyone who he is. So this is another big difference between Superman and the one in the comics, at least in the beginning. Superman never wants to be seen. He never wants to be known. He doesn't want anybody to think. All right. This I have like nerd conspiracy theory thing going on here, and I, I've heard this from somewhere yep. else. But the fact that we're ramping up to World War II at this yep. time, most of the creators are Jewish. Mm-hmm. The fact that they want to have a secret alias is reflective of maybe secret Jews in America, 
And so this was part of their world was a secret identity. Potentially. The names Siegel and, Siegel and Schuster were anglicized from their original names. Those are not their original names. Um, oh, shit. Who are they? I will uh, hold on real quick. I will find them. By the way, for everybody out there, I cannot confirm that. I just heard <laughs> that, but it seems like maybe there was something in the water there. Uh, maybe. You're not supposed to say Jews on TV. <laughs> Uh, Depends on how you yeah. say it. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find it. The seagulls were originally the seg segla seagull. I'm butchering this so much. <laughs> Segalo Segaloviks and Schuster was Schusteroviks. I really butchered the fuck out of them. That's maybe <laughs> if it really. But those are the real names. Is it V I C A V I C V I C S for which one at the end? For one of them? Uh, Segalovic is V-I-C-H-S at the end. And then Schusterowicz is R-O-W-I-C-H-S at the end. Yeah. Wow. So that's why I turned into Siegel and Schuster because I, I still can't pronounce yeah, that. So I think they were like this first generation American. One of them at least was Lithuanian. Mm. And they were leaving. Again, I, I'm not 100% on this, but they left because of rising tensions, right. as it mm-hmm. were. So, mm. yeah, I could see that. But they were born in America, but their parents were mm. not. So that is that that's not the first instance of like secret identities with these type of characters, right? Shadow, Shadow came first. first. The Scarlet Pimpernel, I think, is probably Phantom, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the originator true. of that from right. Paradise Orcsi. Um, but yeah, so right. they they agree not to sell, tell anybody about Superman, and Superman's like, ah, my first friends on Earth. Keep in mind, these characters never show up again in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> Kills them. In, in the Freezes recreation uh, yesterday, a uh, young actor named Sean Giambrone, I might be butchering that, was Jimmy, and he sounded exactly like the kid in the radio show. And uh, the Fonz himself, Henry Winkler, was the professor who suggests that Superman become hey. a reporter. Uh, and that That's Superman cool. was played by Tim Daly, re- reprising his role from Superman the Animated Series. So that was cool That's on cool, Fandom. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so Clark goes to apply for a newspaper job, and he goes to the Daily Planet. So a quick thing on the Daily Planet is that originally in the comics it was called the Daily Star, and his his boss was named George right. Taylor. Uh, Schuster named the Daily Star off the Toronto Daily Star newspaper from where he grew up, uh, and is the newspaper I've, that he received. I've heard that. I've heard Metropolis is based on Toronto a bit. Probably, too, yeah. Not New York. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, however, yes, yes, cool. yes. when they had to start publishing the newspaper comic strip, because they were comic strips as well for Superman, the newspaper that published it wasn't the Daily Star. And they're like, we don't want to cite another newspaper's name in our own newspaper. Yeah. So it became yeah. one what that didn't exist. Oh. It became the Daily Planet. So the Daily Planet was already created in the comics at that point. However, okay, so Daily Planet. Okay, so that wasn't a product of the, of the radio no, show. No, but Perry White is. So okay, the original that. editor was yeah, just yeah. a dude named George Taylor. Uh, they had come up with a guy named Paris White, who became Perry for short. Uh, Maxwell Dakota. I was just gonna say that jokingly <laughs> for some uh, reason, and he was Weird. voiced Paris. by an actor named Julian Noah, who also voices Perry in the Fleischer cartoons. But he sort of set the stage of. Perry being this loud and stubborn, and he's like, what are you doing in my office, Kent? I swear to God, if you don't have a story soon, I will fire you. That type of shit. So, mm-hmm. get me a picture of Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, wait. I inspired that guy. 
Yes, very similar <laughs> characters. But yeah, Julian Noah also ends up voicing a lot of other characters in the episodes. Whenever Clark has to interview a cop or a commissioner, Julian Noah... Oh, hi, Rabbit. Uh, Julian Noah... Uh, ends up uh, voicing them, and it's hilarious because he still sounds like Perry White. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's always like, hello, Commissioner. He's like, hello, Kent, and you're just like, oh, that's Perry White. That's the same actor again. Uh, but yeah, Clark goes in to apply for a reporter job from Perry White, uh, who is just like, I'm not hiring right now. But Clark had used his super hearing to hear a call that Perry was on, that somebody has been sabotaging the railroad who calls himself The Wolf. And that is the first villain in this in this serial. Um, so That's Clark cool. promises he cool. can investigate it, and Perry's like, "You know what? If you can actually get me the story, then I'll hire you. But you have to get the story first, uh, which means you got to fly all the way over to where this train is." And Clark's like, "I don't think that's going to be a problem." Wink. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he buys a first class plane uh, ticket. This secretary, yeah. his secretary. I just want to fly. I his guess. secretary, Miss Smith. Uh, you know, he's going to prep him for, I guess, anything he needs to know to fill out p- paperwork. But Clark, um, she leaves him in this one room and she's like, you know, be careful for that window. We're 20 stories up. And Clark's like, you know, after she leaves him alone, he's like, well, I got to go stop the wolf. So he just jumps out the window as Superman. But since Miss Smith doesn't know <laughs> that he's Superman, she goes back into the room and thinks that Clark committed suicide. And she's like traumatized by the fact that he might have jumped out what? the window. And there is no follow-up whatsoever of ever correcting her <laughs> on that. This woman leaves the Daily Planet traumatized. They just haul her off to a padded yeah. room. Old-timey storytelling <laughs> isn't so great at what's known as follow-up. <laughs> so this episode was... All men can fly. All men jump out of windows and all men can fly. Yes. All men can fly. She's like in the corner of and the that was, asylum. That was the end of episode two. And that was recorded la- yesterday with Terry Crews as the narrator... As I said, Henry Winkler was the professor. What the heck? Uh, yeah. Uh, Constant Zimmer was the traumatized Miss Smith. <laughs> um, Tony Shalhoub from Monk was the voice of the wolf. And nice. he was fantastic. As he sounds, he has that right mix of oozing menace and calm sincerity when he voiced the wolf on it that the, that the original guy had. So I'm like, that guy, like that was perfect. Uh, and then in a, in a gender-bending, race-bending move, it was Alfred Woodard as Perry White, um, which, nice. which worked out pretty well. She was kind of hilarious. Uh, so what they're setting up is the first time Superman goes up against a villain, who's a guy named the Wolf. He's not really a supervillain. You don't really... There's no identification of him wearing a costume or a mask. There's a weird mention at one point where he says, you know, if he finds the missing engine, I'll eat it. And then his mentions was like, what? And he's like, never mind. And you're like, does he mean like the whole expression, like I'll eat my hat? Or does he actually mean he's literally going to eat this thing? It's never, it's never stated. <laughs> but there's that Russian guy who ate a fighter jet. Did he survive? Is that real? I don't know. It was on like Stanley's Superhumans uh, or something. Oh yeah. I saw some of those episodes. Yeah. So Superman ends up stopping the uh landslide they're planning on basically destroying this train by a land with using a landslide uh after blowing up part of it and uh part of the mountain so that the avalanche you know crushes the train so superman does is that where the term comes the from part? win by a landslide potentially, potentially. yes from so, superman exactly radio show. that's how you radio show that's how you won elections you actually created a landslide to well take your- the name of episode three is called kino's landslide 
So you were on to something, Wolfie. What? Who's who's Kino? Uh, Kino is the henchman for the wolf, uh, who is assigned to blow up part of the mountain so that it comes and collapses the train. Is this a Ninja Turtles crossover, <laughs> motherfucker, or what? Kino, Kino yes, K E N O. That is his name we in the get- second one, right? Ernie Reyes Jr. to come do the voice on the radio show. They should have. It was Leia Delaria, who I think is from Orange is the New Black, as Kino in uh, yesterday's Fandom uh, casting, with Tony Shalhoub returning as the wolf. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. That's wicked. In this version, so you would think, okay, Superman just has to stop the landslide and uh, you know stop all the rocks. Um, he, does, he does something very different in here. He shows up on the train as Clark Kent and tries to be like, hey, like, oh, I don't have a ticket and I don't have any money you're just gonna have to throw me off and the conductor's like you seem awfully willing to do that sir (laughs) and he's like I'm a reporter for the Daily Planet I'm like then I'm definitely not kicking you off we cannot afford the bad press and Clark is like well damn because he was trying to figure out how to solve it without being Superman aw shucks so instead he pulls the cord to stop the train and it stops just in time for the landslide to happen in front of them he's a terrorist so uh, and then he goes out and he unclears the train tracks as Superman, but he does it really quickly. And only like one train conductor sees that there's this dude in like a red cape and blue clearing out the tracks just in time for them. And he reports this and they throw that conductor in the insane asylum <laughs> for seeing Superman. <laughs> oh my God. It's a, it's a collateral damage, man. <laughs> Casualty of war that he won. So he's in the next padded yeah. cell over. Uh, so in yesterday's. I swear I've seen him. I swear I've seen him. In recreation, they use clips from the Fleischer serial, The Bulleteers. That's the one with the train uh, to sort of have a visual going on for this one. And they had uh, Nicholas Gonzalez as the conductor. Uh, Jason Alexander was the narrator for this one. And uh, Wilson Cruz from Star Trek Discovery played Superman slash Clark Kent uh, in that recreation. Um, Clark Kent goes back to the Daily Planet and Perry White is like, what is this I hear about the Superman? And... Clark Kent in all later interpretations would be like, I've got the scoop on that, Perry. But in this version, he's just like, don't believe any of that garbage. Like, it's like, it's not, it's not <laughs> anybody to know that he's around. So this is very similar. It's a bunch of bull honking, <laughs> <Mandra>. Perry. <laughs> don't believe a word it's of it. It's very much in the vein of, in the later seasons of Smallville, Clark would go around and he would be known as the Blur. He'd be like this urban legend uh, type of thing. But like, nobody would quite know if he existed sort of thing so that, urban legend superman it, you yes. know we've, we've gotten used to urban legend batman Indeed, yeah. urban legend superman would be pretty cool yeah, yeah. so in the next episode yeah. uh, this is where we start seeing that clark here is not the popular perception of clark so clark kent is kind of known as like this timid like oh hi lois like you know you want me to get coffee oh never mind that type of thing this clark kent <laughs> is just he is the he's basically the intrepid reporter investigator He's really good at detective work, actually, uh, for the Superman. Uh, <laughs> he's very he's determined to get to the bottom of the story. He volunteers himself to get captured by the Wolf and Kino so that he could learn stuff from them. Now we know that he's Superman, but yeah, if we we could have more of that in the yeah, new one, exactly. New ones, I think That's you cool. almost forget cool. that he's Superman. Yeah, that is cool. Like he's he's a cool no- because you realize that he's in Clark he's Clark Kent for most of these stories right now. So you kind of have to make him a still a compelling character so we're not like just waiting for him to get into the suit because we can't see a suit. He has to be his own compelling character. So here he he volunteers himself and then whenever he's in a situation 
that a normal human being couldn't get out of. And that's when he's just like, this looks like a job for Superman. And then he breaks I out. I wonder if, like, the, the popular perception in, like, the 30, late 30s when this came about, mm-hmm. early 40s, it was like, I wonder what the what the perception of what a nerd or a dork yeah. was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure it was sort of different. And they probably didn't. I wonder if they even had a word for it at, the, at that so, time. No. I'm not yeah. sure. You probably were just called, you're, you're weird. Square. Or something like that. You're squared, <laughs> geek, geek, man. geek yes. still maybe comes from circus. Maybe, I don't know when those yeah. come about, but maybe. And then it's like the head off of chickens. This still way too early for nerds to be like, I want to see nerds like me on on, on the radio or on <laughs> in, in the comics. Right. Like, I don't want to. They, they're probably drawing them like, or the idea was, I want somebody not like mm. me on the page, right? And then, of course, in in uh, on the radio right. show and in, and on. Um, all the other incarnations. Because right, most of the popular I, radio shows... Just spitballing yeah, here, guys. Most the, no, most of the radio shows at the time were mystery stories, were detective stories. And the majority of the Superman radio show, he was going up against... There was no Lex Luthor in the show. There was no Brainiac. There was no, yeah. no Bizarro. No, some of those characters didn't even exist yet. He was going up against like ordinary criminals with sometimes extraordinary weaponry. Uh, kind of like in some of the Fleischer stuff. Uh, but that was, that was it. So uh, the wolf... And Kino end up capturing Clark because he wants them to, which ends with the narrator being like, is Clark Kent in the clutches of the wolf or is the wolf in the clutches of Superman? Which I thought was kind of cool. Um, as the no. final recreation of this, they had uh, CCH Pounder from uh, the voice of Amanda Waller as well as uh, Bertha in RoboCop 3. Please check out the upcoming uh, overly critical hyperanalytical movie club podcast on that movie. Um, and she's the narrator. Uh, Jason Isaacs took over as the wolf in a very different interpretation from Tony Shalhoub. It was almost comical. Uh, Anthony, his Star Trek Discovery co-star. Is he from Speed 2? Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs? Who's he again? No, he's... He's Lorca in Star Trek Discovery, as well as... The, he was the uh, villain in The Patriot. He was Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter. Yeah, that's um, right. He dates uh, the other guy. What's his name? I forget. I'm sorry. He dates... Cruz? No, no, no that's Anthony Rapp's character, I think. Anthony oh, okay. Reps. I'm sorry. I'm getting er- yeah. forgive me. I'm getting everybody. Confused. Lorca's the captain. Lorca. He was the captain. Oh, the yeah. The sinister. Oh, he's yeah. A sinister he's dude. a badass. Yeah, he's a sinister dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. guy. Yes. He, Lorca's yeah. cool. Yes. He was Jason, cool, he Jason was Isaacs cool has voiced a lot of DC characters. He was Lex Luthor in uh, I think Justice League: Gods and Monsters, uh, and everything. So he, I'm sure he loves this stuff. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Rapp. I love the casting and Discovery. Yeah. I I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's it's a good show, especially the first season. Mm. Anyway, moving forward. Uh, Anthony Rapp uh, from Star Trek Discovery was Kino in this version. Uh, Anthony Kerrigan, who played Mr. Zaz in Gotham, as well as was last seen under heavy makeup as Dennis the Robot Assassin in Bill and Ted 3. He's great. Um, played the superintendent. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was, that he's guess. hilarious, the superintendent. And then this was my favorite. Yeah. He's in Barry yeah. as well. Uh, he, this was my favorite so of good. the Superman from yesterday. It was Daniel Day Kim as Superman, and oh yeah, he Wicked. he was legit. He sounded like he had the spirit of Bud Collier uh, as he did. I'm like, that's I, cool. I want to go back and see. I'm that. like, I like trapped in a necklace yes, or something. Trapped in, trapped in his glasses. Like in a crystal. He's also the only one. No. He, well, in a bottled city. He had like Clark Kent glasses Ooh. on while he was reading it, and I was like. Okay, I want to see more of this. I'll hear That's more cool. of this. Did he take him off? He should have, honestly. I was expecting him Superman. to when he says, this looks like a job for Superman. That's I would true, have loved we should it. have. But I think... By the way, have you guys ever had this experience where I have literally been confused at one time where I knew this, I sort of knew this dude, 
He usually wore glasses. <laughs> and then the next time I saw him, he had no glasses on, and I fucking introduced myself as if I had never met him before. <laughs> it has happened to it me. It works. The disguise works. <laughs> it does work. Your whole ambiance changes. Yes. Uh, so they lock him up in this cell. They lock Clark up in the cell. And Wolf and Kino basically plan to leave him to starve to death in that cell uh, that is three inches thick of steel. Of course, they don't realize that they imprison Superman. So Superman gets... Whenever Superman changes, there's no shirt rip. So instead, it's radio. So he's like, out of these clothes. <laughs> every single time he changes, like, out of these clothes. It's <laughs> uh, what every guy wants to say at the end of every day. Yeah. Uh, so no shirt rips. Uh, but he punches through the quote-unquote three-inch thick steel wall. And he's like, you were wrong, Wolf. Two and a half at the most. And he laughs about it. And I'm like, this guy's a badass. Um, Wait, so did George uh, Reeves do the shirt rip thing? Like the first time they filmed it? That might be Kirk Allen. When the, the, the 1940s Kirk, oh, serials, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, because that would be... Nick Cage, bro. Oh, wait, wait. No, what? He does the shirt whip, rip and He does, shirt, yeah, yeah. But in terms of live action, it yeah, would maybe. be Kirk Allen, probably. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And when he breaks out, Clark sees a skylight, and he says, one jump and we're up, up. And away! And that was the first instance of Up, Up, and Away, is him escaping from uh, the wolf and Kino's lair uh, in there. So Whoa. he ends up capturing... History! Yeah, he ends up capturing the wolf and Kino and destroys their car, and when the police arrive, they think these guys are crazy because they're talking about a flying man with super strength in a blue outfit and a red cape. Again, like nobody believes that Superman exists. Uh, His underwear was where again? On the outside! One more time! <laughs> On the outside. Uh, so it hmm. turns out, though, the wolf that ain't the right. wolf is not alone. He was working for a crime lord who calls himself the Yellow Mask, who is the next big bad. That's, that sounds... That sounds. How do you feel about that, <laughs> He means a literal Yellow Mask. He's not supposed to be... He doesn't oh. put on, like, an Asian accent or anything. He's just like, this is the Yellow so Mask. So I'm the racist one? <laughs> you said you jumped to that. He's, the, he's Black Mask's grandfather. Yeah, Black Mask's grandfather, the yellow mask. They's miscegenated. He is. They, that's a, a oh brother quote. He's voiced. <laughs> they's miscegenate. He's voiced by Julia Noah, who played uh, Perry White, but this time he actually changes his voice so he doesn't sound like Perry White. Uh, but because he sees that Clark Kent interfered with the plans of destroying the railroad, he decides to take out his revenge and he threatens to blow up the Daily Planet. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's this plot that got adapted into the first Fleischer Superman cartoon. Except uh, they changed the Yellow Mask, who wants to use an atomic beam machine from a plane to destroy the Daily Planet, and they turned it into the mad scientist who's using it from the headquarters type of stuff. Uh, which brings me to episode 7, where we get introduced to another reporter by the name of Lois Lane. It took seven oh, oh, episodes yeah. to get to her. Um, so it's almost incredible. That's nah, yeah. fine. Uh, but keep in mind, they're each like 10 minutes. Uh, so the first actress yeah, to yeah. voice Lois Lane was an actress named Raleigh Bester, uh, wife of a comic book writer of Green Lantern, Alfred Bester. So I thought that was interesting. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so there, he, was he's, he created the first Green Lantern. Uh, he's a, it's a comic book writer. I don't think he created, like, Bill Finger co-created Green Lantern. Oh, um, <clears throat> this Lois already hates Clark. She hates Clark. She thinks he's a fraud. She doesn't buy that he's like a real journalist and stuff because for, as far as she's concerned, he just walked in, easily got a job, somehow knew all about all this Wolf and Kino business and stuff. And so uh, she becomes kind of a thorn in Clark's side. And 
She hates his male privilege. She hates his white male privilege. Wasn't a word yes. For it. Uh, yes, yes, yes. The yellow mask captures her <laughs> and throws her out of a plane without a parachute. And Superman rescues her while she's kind of unconscious. But this is technically the first time that Superman flies with Lois Lane. Because remember, he never oh, flew shit. beforehand. Oh, yeah. She's like, unhand me, you Well, brute. she's unconscious, but she does vaguely remember being saved by a man in blue tights and a red cape. And that's how you end. Ah, uh, so he's still urban legend. Yeah, he's still an even, urban legend. Even yes. though, yeah, yes. I gotcha. I don't ever dream of Harrison Ford. <laughs> Helen, yes. <laughs> what? Whatever. It's from Ninja Turtles, bro. Okay. You made a podcast uh, about it. Ro- <laughs> I don't remember the Harrison Ford quote. Uh, Raleigh Bester was replaced by an actress named Helen Choate uh, for a few episodes. Um, as the second, there's no, I can't find anything in terms of why she was replaced. Um, but uh, Helen Choate went on to. Oh, they probably got pregnant and on their period or something. You can still do <laughs> voice acting on your period, Jesus. <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what they were thinking at the time, though. Probably. Canceled. <laughs> so um, the wolf. Oh, shit. I just imagine like nine times out of ten, every dude at this time period was uh, Bob. Yes, Kane. pretty much. Was was a Bob Kane, so it was like Mad Men. They're all drinking cocktails Dude, at nine a.m. It must have been pretty pretty bad for yes, women overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Lois did end up having a bigger and bigger part. So Helen Choate would play Lois for a few episodes. A few episodes later, in March nineteen forty, they brought back the Wolf, Kino, and the Yellow Mask, where the Wolf and Kino break out, and the Wolf kind of wants revenge on the Yellow Mask for abandoning him. And uh, there was kind of this hyped-up episode called The Wolf versus The Yellow Mask. I'm like, this is awesome. And then just almost immediately, The Yellow Mask electrocutes The Wolf to death. So I'm like, okay, never mind then. (laughs) (laughs) What? He he was the best one. (laughs) Uh, So The Yellow Mask threatens to blow up a dam to cause a flood that will destroy a town. Is it a goddamn? Uh, No, it's just a regular dam. But if that sounds familiar... In terms of a dam getting destroyed, causing a flood, that was in Superman the movie, thanks to uh, Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, it yeah. probably, it yeah, might have come yeah. from, there's a 1938 comic called Superman and the Dam, so that might be where it came from, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, and that ties into what happens with the Yellow Mask. A little later, they brought back the Yellow Mask at least another time in a storyline called The Return of the Yellow Mask, and this time they advertised it that the Yellow Mask was returning. So even though it was an audio form, they finally illustrated the Yellow Mask. And not only was he a dude with a yellow, Whoa. thin yellow mask, but he was bald. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this ad came out. Dropping those bombs. This ad comes out. So the wolf didn't get any <laughs> characterization? Other than potentially eating an engine. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, he was a badass. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, so That's how just some backstory. It. Lex Luthor, when he was first shown, he was just a guy known simply as Luthor, and he had like red cropped he had cropped red hair when he first showed up and sometime along the way an artist named Wayne Boring said that he got confused uh, and drew Lex Luthor with a bald head instead of with the red hair and that's how Lex got the bald head is because he messed up he's like uh, because he said my he's editor. got you know, it's like working a, de- a late yeah. night trying to make a deadline for the publisher and exactly. then just fucked up exactly yeah. so <laughs> he said he got Luthor confused with another supervillain. Now, some think that it's the character, the ultra-humanite, who first appeared in 1939, but he had, like, Patrick Stewart baldness, where it was just, like, mostly bald, but, like, you know, like Picard TNG uh, baldness. That's with, classy. With some hair on Not the side. Not full-on cue ball. But the yellow mask has full-on cue ball. 
<laughs> that makes me and uncomfortable. Again, he blows, tries to. Especially any dude in their mid to late thirties. It's. <laughs> you know how I know that guy's a dickhead? Because the head's exactly. shaped like a dick. So, Luthor. Is yes. That you're talking about? So Luthor. Yeah is, uh, I'm saying, potentially the Yellow Mask is the closest that we might have to a Lex Luthor, at least in the very beginning stages of the radio series. Obviously, they never Mad scientist, never he was balding, right? He had yeah, he was balding, long. but he still had some hair. He didn't quite look exactly like it, but uh, it's close enough. Yeah. Uh, oh, also that Reign of the Superman thing, you know what I'm talking about? The, this was, the original, uh, yeah, the original story that Siegel and Schuster wrote. And that was a bald guy on that one, too. Right. Do you want to explain that for the audience who might not know? Yeah. So <laughs> so this what was this like obsession? an original treatment for Superman, mm. but it was it was like a newspaper article. It wasn't even like a, a comic at this time. But there was It was a, a prose story. It wasn't a comic, it. yeah. It was a prose story, yeah. and it was called Reign of the Supermen or Man? Man. One of the Reign of the Superman, and he was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I think it had, I don't know, I have to go back and look at it, but I think it has to do with the whole, once again, Ubermensch idea. (laughs) And they're not liking this a whole lot, especially how it's being twisted from Nietzsche's ideas Mm -hmm. into Nazism, being that they're Jewish Americans. I'd be curious. We could do a deep dive into reading that if we can find a copy of that. So that'd be interesting. Oh, that's, there's pictures of that all over the internet. We could, we could do that easily. It's only like three paragraphs, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, so yeah, a month later, in, in April 1940, they decided to add another uh, major character to this, which is a red-headed, freckle-faced copy boy named Jimmy Olsen. Uh, or Jim Olsen. Sometimes Clark calls him Jim. Uh, this Jimmy Olsen is very different from the happy-go-lucky photography, always-held-hostage Jim, Jimmy Olsen. This Jim Olsen is a tough 14-year-old whose father who like lived with a single mom. Uh, his father died years ago. His mom is a victim of extortion from a mobster named Gyp Donnelly. And Superman steps in to uh, help this, help them out. Uh, his absent father, is not re- it's not really explained how he died. I don't think it was from a crime. But the idea of Jimmy Olsen having an absent father actually has continued on into the comics. Um, he, in the Supergirl series, they said he was killed in action uh, you know, overseas as part of the military. Interesting. Um, at one point, they say, uh, they describe... Uh, Jimmy's mom is quote unquote Mrs. Henry Olsen, which is also interesting because Henry was the name of Jimmy Olsen's brother in Smallville. I don't know if they dove that deep into the radio series to come up with that or if that was coincidence. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, but when Jip Donnelly shows up to to Mrs. Olsen's store, she runs a candy store, he said, see what happened to Schuster's window because he didn't have protection? Schuster's window. No, I thought that was interesting. Ah, now, little Easter egg. Siegel's father was the ran- one who ran a store that got robbed, but yeah. So it would have been interesting if they said Siegel, but it was Schuster's window. Um, this Superman. Uh, here's how this Superman deals with the situation with the mobster. Because at one point, Donnelly, in revenge for Clark or Superman trying to help out with this extortion situation, uh, he ends up kidnapping Lois, and so to interrogate a criminal uh, to find out where Lois is. Basically, Superman brings a criminal up into the air and flies him down. And when the criminal refuses to give him any information, Superman drops him. And then picks him back up from flying. And at this point, when I'm listening to this, I'm like, this is why I like Radio Superman. He's a detective. He interrogates criminals. (laughs) Radio Superman is Batman. 
basically. Yeah. So did did wait? So did the uh, did the guy that uh, that was drafted? He say so from one professional to another. <laughs> Pick a better spot than five thousand feet up. No, he probably and couldn't. Then he, and then Super, Superman says, "I'm counting." On it. Uh, yeah. So I was like. I, at this I'd point, when that. I was re-listening to everything, I'm like, okay, this is why. This is why. Like, this is Superman. <laughs> um, an investigative reporter is an investigator. It's so close to a detective. I know, right? You know, it's a very... They're very similar. And he's going up against it's almost criminals. like the same company made yeah, both of these he's guys. He's going up against criminals and all this, too. Uh, so, uh, he often... He often also often runs into trouble with a secret identity. So, he's always like, oh, Lois is in trouble. I better go get her. And Perry White is like, I'm coming with you. And Clark's like... No, you don't have to do that, Chief, because, like, his way of, like, I'm going after her is flying off as Superman. But he can't do that if Perry White is tagging along with him. So he always has to find some sort of excuse. Um, but uh, there's an episode called Horace Martin's Weather Machine where they debuted Joan Alexander, who took over as Lois Lane and became Lois Lane throughout the rest of the radio run, as well as was the actress who did Lois Lane's voice in the Fleischer cartoon. What episode number are we at at this point? Um, Whenever she's she comes we're in, many episodes in. So the show premiered thirty or something. The show premiered in February of nineteen forty. She first shows up uh, in June. Uh, Joan Alexander's Lois uh, shows up in June, so a few months in. So some from February to okay, a few months yeah. in. So it's still the same yeah. year. All but right. It was okay. with Joan Alexander that they found that she had the best chemistry with Bud Collier, and this is also where they started changing the dynamic. Instead of being always antagonistic to Clark, she was kind of like frenemies, a little bit more friendly with him, starts calling him Clark at one point instead of Mr. Kent. So like this is where it, nice. it starts getting a little bit closer to the lowest that we, we know. She understands the character the most somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Joan Alexander uh, then got fired. It says, quote, I was fired from the part of Lois Lane about three months after I got it, and Bud, Bud Collier, said, if you're going to audition other girls, let Joan audition back for her part. So I auditioned Blind back for the part. I'm assuming Blind meant, like, she just did the voice and people still picked from the best voices. And she won the part yeah, yeah. again. And basically it was Lois nice. for the next ten years uh, or so on that. I would say they were banging off screen, but <laughs> it was a different time for one. I mean, though, Collier was hardcore. Well, but... well, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> Collier, Collier was, I know it's true, but Collier did seem like genuinely yeah. religious, but not in a, I don't know. It was, it, he was more of a real yeah, deal. Yeah. kind of seemed mm -hmm. like, like a Mr. Rogers almost kind of type. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where you kind of you kind of buy oh you're actually following some of the good parts of the morals yes. of this shit. Uh, yeah. To continue the developing story in August, in September of 1940 in, in a story called Professor Thorpe's Bathosphere, Superman uh, Jimmy Olsen is is trapped in a collapsing cave and Superman pulls him out. And when he finally pulls Jimmy out and the cave collapses and Superman asks if he's all right, Jimmy stands there gaping because this is the first time that he's seen Superman that he's seen evidence that this guy exists. Uh, and this is the first time that Superman... Pops one major bone. Yeah, Superman, yes. This is the first time <laughs> that he makes himself known to a regular good guy on the show. Superman's number one pal, indeed. Yes, indeed, he's number one. Uh, Jimmy would grow up. Uh, he would eventually be voiced by an actor named Jackie Kilk. Uh, who, he wasn't the original one, but he's the, he's the most famous uh, one. And uh, he would graduate from copy boy to cub reporter. Uh, so that he would be more involved. And then they replaced the copy boy character 
with uh, another kid named Beanie Martin, who was basically a dumber version of Jimmy Olsen, with a more annoying voice <laughs> since it was a grown man pretending to have a cracking voice as opposed to you know an actual teenager or youthful-sounding actor like Jackie Kelp for Jimmy Olsen. Uh, so that was weird. Uh, Lois didn't see Superman until February 1941, so a good year into it, in a wow. story, a very racist story called The Dragon's Teeth. <laughs> oh, man, here we go. So uh, I'm ready. there's a man. Dragons are people, too. <laughs> There's a man named Juan, W-A-N, <clears throat> who uh, <laughs> who's serving tea that turns out somebody put poison in the tea he's serving, and Superman bursts in to stop her from drinking the poison tea, and she's like, oh my god, like, uh, Superman exists, uh, or whatever, uh, but uh, this man ends up getting killed by, um, I, forgot the, I forgot the villain's name, but it's his villain and his henchman who's also Chinese. And uh, Lois at one point says, you and that Chinaman will get what's coming to them. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm glad you read that line, Ben. I, this I, is why if you sent it to me, I would have to refuse. Oh, it gets better later on. No matter which voice. <laughs> um, I'll have to refuse on my... <laughs> rest on my laurels or whatever the fuck the phrase yes. is. So at one point she gets caught That's in right. a sandstorm with said Chinaman. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, that's one of the weirdest like <laughs> racial slurs to me yes. because it's just the country name and man, but she put it together. <laughs> and it's somehow it's just not good. Yeah. It's just not good. Mexi yes. man, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> the name of the new Hispanic Latino superhero. Um, Mexi man. So Superman rescues her from the sandstorm and flies her all the way back to Metropolis, making this the first time that Lois has been conscious of Superman flying her around. So uh, that was cool. Uh, 1942, uh, they relaunched the series a little bit. This is where we get our first, uh, say, let's say, New 52-style reboot uh, in the wow, radio. Wow, they've been doing this forever. Where they're like, huh? okay, let's actually do the origin. So they reboot it where Clark is adopted by the Kents on Earth. He's adopted by Eben and Mary Kent, because that was the names. Eben. Eben. Eben sounds like some, it, it's like... One of the thousands of names Amish. listed in like the book of Leviticus or yes. something or whatever, and like even begat. Yeah, all the be, the begats part. There's like a million names in that, beget. and like Hamastus. some of those like you know names that sound more country than others are like Ephraim. They're like from that part of the mm-hmm. Bible. I just find that 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 funny. Or I guess the Torah. Maybe yeah. it's all it's, those books are the same. I think it is. Those were the original names uh, at the time. And uh, Eben Eben Kent Dies in the Fire is the name of the episode. And unfortunately, it's lost. Uh, So I did not get to hear their version. Oh, like a World War II kind of thing? It was lost? Yeah. A a lot of radio, a lot of these radio shows were. Some of them have been found, obviously, for us to hear. But unfortunately, that one has also been lost, as well as the next one that I'm going to go into. Uh, oh, that sucks. 1943, we got to realize, like, radio shows was basically Monday through Friday, uh, as opposed to oh, every so week. Keep in mind, they're only, like, 10-minute segments. Oh, wow. Uh, and they were done live, so you would have to come in every time. Bud Collier... Oh, I forgot they were live. Yeah. That's cool. Bud yeah. Collier... The sound yeah. effects and stuff? That's cool. Um, Collier needs a break <laughs> uh, <laughs> in certain days, <laughs> but he's Superman. You can't have episodes of Superman without Superman, so how do you do that? And they're like, well, what if... We found something where Superman can't talk because he's incapacitated. If there's some reason why he's weakened, and that's where they came up with kryptonite. 
they came up with kryptonite because Bud Wait, Collier so, needed a but... break. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, actually. I love that. That like it's, really practical, real a, world reason for for it's a metaphor for fatigue. Mm-hmm. Yes, Indeed, so yes. deep there, bro. Burnout. That shit's deep like the ocean. So, uh, it was a story also lost, unfortunately, called "The Meteor from Krypton" in 1943. Superman, for the first time in his life, faces an enemy against which he is entirely powerless. That enemy is a piece of shit. No. <laughs> That enemy is a piece of the planet Krypt- Krypton. Uh, okay, doing it Marlon Brando style. That enemy, <laughs> that enemy is a piece of the planet Krypton. Kryptonite, it is called, which a few days ago struck Earth in the form of a meteor. A full understanding of his danger came to Superman when he approached the Kryptonite for the first time. As he came within five feet of the mass of metal, which glowed like a green diamond, he suddenly felt weak as if all his strength had been drained from him. And that was the first kryptonite story. Uh, so that... And then whoa. a lot of nerds are like, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> Fucking rock. rock. Can't believe yes. this. My, my <laughs> hero taken down by a goddamn piece of fucking stupid ass rock. Yep. Has there ever been a, like a pseudo-scientific explanation as to what's happening to Superman's physiology when in he comes radiation. in contact with this I rock? I think some sort of radiation poisoning. Yeah. Yeah, radiation. Yeah. yeah, that's generally what it is. Although you may, you reminded me, Wolfie, there is a pseudo scientific reason for how he flies, and that is his brain is able to control gravitons, which gravitons <laughs> is like a real Love particle. It. Obviously, has something to do with gravity. So if you can, if you can control how your body interacts with gravity, you can essentially fly. So he's a humanoid UFO. Yes. Uh, let's see. The next. I know what's going <clears throat> on. Here's the next <laughs> major storyline. And this is a surprise for you guys. Uh, March 1945, we have a story called Mystery of the Waxman, where uh, a letter arrives to the Daily Planet asking for Superman's help. Superman's not really around, so Lois and Jimmy go to try to find who wrote this letter. And they find a rowboat drifting with an unconscious boy inside. And uh, they get caught in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the ocean. Superman has to rescue everybody. And he goes to the boy. And he looks at the boy and he says, Great Scott, if this is who I think it is, this is serious business. Because the boy is wearing a yellow cape, a mask, and a red vest with the letter R on his chest. So, when we return from the break, we'll go into a surprise deep dive of the fact that the radio series is the very first time Batman and Superman ever worked together in history. I was nice. I was wondering that. Okay. <laughs> they also worked with Bruce Lee one That's time. Good. Hey Batman. So, uh I was wondering if I could have like a hundred of those vichyssois bowls or like a vat of vichyssois and I know it's supposed to be cold. So, uh yeah. That'd be cool. I am pretty hungry. I'm sorry, kid, but Alfred's been dead for a while, and I don't even know how to make it anymore. Alfred's dead? When did that happen? I don't know, about like ten years ago. What? How do you even make Vichyssois anymore, then? I don't. I just go off of tea and oatmeal crackers. Oatmeal crackers, okay. So, so you're telling me you don't have that res- You don't have that recipe for Alfred's Vichyssois, like, at all? I'm sure I could dig it up in the files. 
You sure you don't want any of the other things in the pantry? I'm just really craving, I just know it's weird, but really want that vichyssoise. Is it fishy? Or is it just vichy? Just sounds like fishy. What is it? It's vichyssoise. Okay, I'll take the, I'll take the, what was it, oatmeal cookies? What do you have? Oatmeal crackers, and we have some, we got peanuts, we got almonds, we got, let's see. I think I'll go for, uh... Cashews. I think I'll go for basically all of that. How much can... You're rich, right? Do you have, like, a vat of, like, all of it? Kid, you want to get nuts? Yes! Come on! Yes! Let's get uh, nuts. Oh, yes. Let's go. Sprouts? Some other local uh, supermarket with lots of nuts? Or you already have that here? You'll see. I'll see. Okay, I'll, that's kind of ominous there. Uh, what? See what again? The nuts. All right, everybody, if you like that little preview to the sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superheroesstuffpod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh! Hey, how are you? This is the Netherworld's leading bio-exorcist. And I want all you deadbeats out there in podcast land to go ahead, make my millennia, and keep listening to superhero stuff you should know. It's a nice fucking podcast! <laughs> I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass pussy. Make that pull out game weak. Woo! And we're back! Yes. So. Uh, where we left off. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, actually, let me check in with you guys in terms of what do you think so far of Superman, oh, the radio version of this, starting with Wolfie. These are really cool. I like those earlier episodes when they kind of skip to the yeah. to the punch. Whatever it's like, that fuck the cats. <laughs> We're going um, right into <laughs> He's already yeah. Superman. I, he steps out I of really... the spaceship punching somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the wolf. I think it's unfair that they wrote his character out. I think he needs to come back. That wouldn't be biased at all um, from a guy named Wolfie, right? Yeah, this yellow mask character, he's suspect. <laughs> racist. Yes, very How racist. is he going to kill the wolf? I don't believe no. it. But, uh, the wolf think, was such I a cool, cool villain so name. And the guy, the way the guy plays him is just so, like, you know, at 10 o'clock, the silver clipper will never make its destination was, like, the way that he talked. And it was, it was so cool. True yeah. evil pure evil. So, Andrew, what do you think? I think there's a lot of good things that maybe they should bring back yeah. from these this time, yeah. you know? Like a, a little bit more assertive Clark mm-hmm. at, you know, that that sounds good to me. Maybe a, maybe a little bit older Clark, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of good stuff there that's maybe been lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like stuff. to see the Welcome wolf back come back stuff. as well. <laughs> and the, Lu- the Luthor stuff connecting to... Uh, you know the yellow right. mask. I think is is really interesting. Yeah, because so, even yeah, yeah. And if you sidestep the racist, well, I guess the yellow mask himself is not very racist. But bring yeah. it back too. Yeah, that's great. No, I mean, it, yeah. I always I and that was cool because I theorized as a kid that the yellow mask was Luthor. 
uh, the entire time. Oh, right. So, right, right, right. So to find out, because I didn't know the whole bald head thing until I was researching for this episode. So I was like, oh, I've been onto something. Uh, nice, nice action figures. Uh, so speaking of which, I got, as you can see, I've got joining me is Batman and Robin old school versions. Okay, so Forget. like you said, those are cool. But like you said before the break, yes. Superman first meets Robin. He meets Robin first, and there's a reason. And then meets Batman. Yes. That's so interesting, like pop culture history-wise. Yes, yes. Uh, so we'll go into Mystery of the Waxman. This is the first crossover. Uh, this might be the first DC adaptation to cross over superheroes ever. Uh, the comics well, didn't do it yet, huh? They, well, they had with the Justice Society and things, Justice Society of America and stuff, but they this was the first time somebody actually adapted that uh, into a production. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is 1945, uh, and this predates the first story in the comics where Batman and Superman teamed up, which is Superman number 76 in 1952. So we're seven years early. Uh, on this and we're establishing the original dynamic between Superman and Batman uh, they had appeared in like comic book covers and there's like one panel in like an issue of all-star comics uh, with them together but they're not actually part of a story uh, in there how long did it take to get them to uh, talk about Martha like pretty much immediately uh, or what? yeah pretty much <laughs> well, remember, remember. Uh, well, here's here's another trivia. That's obviously the crux of their whole relationship. They wouldn't have talked we about it. They what wouldn't have talked say? about it in the forties because in the forties, in the early, at least at this time, remember it's Mary Kent. It was Mary, Mary. Kent. Oh and shit! Martha, their name not even the Martha same. Martha Kent was not even named Martha until uh, a little bit further into the forties in Batman number forty-seven. In the original origin, it was just Thomas Wayne and his wife. So Bill Figgerding oh didn't even give her. Neither one of them were named Martha, I think, at this point. If I look up, let me quickly look up Batman number 47. Times weren't good for women. She didn't even get a name. <laughs> it did not, they did not quite. Yeah, 1948 uh, was when Martha. Martha. Just say the line, yeah. Martha, why did you say that name? Uh, wait, hold on. Why did you say that name? There we go. So, uh, Martha, yeah, she wasn't named until 1948. Uh, this is 1940, again, 1945. And then Martha Kent uh, had been Mary Kent the whole time. I don't think it was really named. Let me see when the first time she was named was. Until the 1950s. There was no Jube. Martha connection oh in the 1940s. Jube. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, she had a Japanese name. Japanese guy's so, name. Um, I get the feeling that when they crossed over Batman into the Superman radio show, they only had the rights to certain things. And I have a feeling that they did not have the rights to any Batman villains. So don't expect the radio series to have Superman and Batman versus Joker or Two-Face or any of those characters at this point. The first villain that they face off together is a man named Zoltan. Uh, Zoltan has been, ki Zoltan. He's been kidnapping scientists and encasing them in wax and then shipping him to enemy countries for profit. And the reason why Robin needs help is because Batman is missing. And so Superman and That's Robin awesome. go around and find that Zoltan has turned Batman into a wax statue. He's encased him in wax. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So they, they break him is. out of the wax, and uh, the only... This is, unfortunately is a lost story. They can't find the full recording of uh, mystery of the waxman there was only two episodes surviving and neither one of them actually have batman in them oh wow. uh, it's it's just 
uh, Superman reading Robin. I think those are like chapters two and three. Uh, but apparently the line that Batman says after they get out of the wax statue is, and I'll say this as Adam West, no one's going to make a dummy out of me. <laughs> the perfect line for that situation. Right, let me say that again as Kevin Conroy. No one's going to make a dummy out of me. Um, so huh. they team up to take down Zoltan. Say Clooney. No one's going to take a Can dummy out of me. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving his head. That's pretty good. Moving his head around. The key is to move That's the head around. Um, so that was pretty good. Supposedly, Margot Robbie, her being Australian, she had a hard time getting the Jersey accent oh, really? down for for uh, Harley Quinn. But the story I've heard was she didn't really get it till she imagined herself getting her nails done oh. and doing like this motion with her nails, and like that's what She's really like, sealed the oh, deals. Awesome. Like you know, yeah. Uh, She's a gem. Let's see. The yeah. first actor to voice Batman on the radio, even though the footage is lost, so we don't know what his Batman voice sounded like. Uh, was a man named Stacy Harris. Uh, so Stacy is the second actor to ever play Batman uh, because Lewis Wilson played Batman in live action in the 1943 serial. Um, but uh, the main Batman actor to voice, uh, to the main guy who voiced Batman throughout all his appearances, because Batman shows up a lot in this radio show, um, is an actor named Matt Crawley uh, before he was taken over by Gary Merrill. Matt Crawley's Batman voice sounds like a regular 1940s everyday man. It just it is not. There's like Bob yeah, there's King. No, there's no like Bud Collier's doing the whole Clark Kent and Superman. Like you know, I, hi Mr. White, I'm Superman. Like Batman doesn't do that. Batman and Bruce Wayne sound exactly <laughs> the same. There's no switch between at all on it. I'm Batman, you uh, see. Let's see. <laughs> Got, got, got my cape and I got my pointy yeah. ears. Let's do this. Um, he's the one who's most associated with Batman on radio and recordings of him obviously survive for me to, to know that. Uh, an actor named Ronald Liss, a young actor named Ronald Liss, was the voice of Robin in all the appearances. Uh, and the narrator of the program, Jackson Beck, uh, voiced Alfred in his uh, appearances, putting on a fake uh, English accent. And... Uh, Let's see. <laughs> the uh, but the first surviving Batman and Superman story is a it's a cool one. It's called Doctor Bly's Confidence Gang, and Doctor Bly's in charge. He's like this crime lord, and his main uh, one of his main criminals is a woman named Dixie Lamar who kills a federal agent, and he has to figure out how to help her get away with it until he realizes that Dixie Lamar is a doppelganger of Lois Lane. So he frames Lois oh, to, for the crime, Whoa. and Whoa. Batman, Robin, and Whoa. Superman have to clear her name. Um, so I was listening to this, and there's a lot of interesting shit in the 1940s radio Batman. Uh, first off, there's no mention of Gotham City at all. In this version, Batman and Robin seem to operate in Metropolis together. They're trying to the keep heck? it uh, yeah, simple, yeah. I guess. It's before people were really attached to those ideas, exactly, too, probably. Exactly. Um, yeah. Here's another thing. Batman is described in the his first appearance in this thing as wearing a bright blue hood and cape. A later appearance would say he is a tall man in a skin-tight gray costume. I might as well pull Adam West for this. Gray costume, uh, blue cape, blue hood, and mask. Now, why do they keep saying that he has a hood? And here's the theory on this. Uh Here's how he was usually illustrated in the comics. Uh, the blue with the surroundings of the ears, uh, but the front part is black. So it seems that they interpreted that this 
black part is actually a separate mask, and this was a hood pulled over it based off of how... Yeah. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, and that's how they describe that's it. That's interesting. Yeah, I like to see that. Uh, also, like how... We all say cowl now because it's so integrated mm-hmm. into... Animated series. You know, the animated series yeah. and all that, but... How common was that word at this time I don't as well, you know? even seeing or reading that word in any of the comics at the time. I just, yeah, I don't, I think somehow they found out the exact right word. It's not a mask, it's a cowl. You know, there's, there's like an exact fashion item, you know, whatever, like exact terminology for that piece of mm-hmm. wear and, uh, We've been using it ever since, but before that, I could see them using yeah. a, a word like hood. Yeah. yeah. What What is a cowl besides what we know from Batman? It does differentiate from mask, I think, because... It's like a full like over the whole over your head, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, over the whole head. A mask is just yeah. on the front. So as you notice, also for this Funko version, based off of the comics, this is from the 60s as well, the okay, black with the blue over it. So that's how they interpreted it. But here's the interesting thing as well. They say... They describe that Robin also wears a hood, making the radio Robin the <laughs> first hooded Robin, which we see later on with the Damien Robin and everything. Sick. So this predates all of that. Um, the Batmobile is basically just described as a bat-shaped car, so they don't really go that much into it. Uh, and Clark and Batman's first instance of working together uh, is going into this dark tunnel where Lois was kidnapped. Uh, in this version... Clark knows Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same. He knows Dick Grayson and Robin are the same. Batman does not know Clark Kent and Superman are the same guy, though. Which, again, interesting interesting. because usually you would think World's Greatest Detective would know this stuff. Uh, He's a fucking idiot. Glasses, bro. Look at the glasses. um, (laughs) And then... That's one thing you just got to let go because, I mean, like even like geniuses like Luthor, Mm -hmm. you know, it's anybody would... You know, I know I had that story earlier about me, but I'm not a billionaire genius type. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Fantastic. I'm, I'm not a baby a genius. Story by John Byrne, where a woman figures out that Clark Kent is Superman and tells Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor says, "You're fired," because there's no way that a godlike being would pretend <laughs> to be an ordinary man like Clark Kent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> did she ever? Did she ever come back I, as a oh, villain? I wish. I think. She, I think she does at some point. That would be tight. Um, this dame is too smart for her own good. So Clark and Batman go into this tunnel. And again, Batman does not know that Clark is Superman. But Superman picks up on more clues than Batman because he can see in the dark. He can see through the walls of X-ray vision and everything. So I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. Like Superman can be a better detective than Batman because of his superpowers in here. I have, I have a question about yeah. this too. In the dark, Superman switches to x-ray he can because well he can, does he have super see in the dark vision or how's it supposed I to think work he's i think in this one uh he has a bit of both <laughs> he just controls okay. it whenever he can see tachyon yes. particles yes, the they, they knew tachyon yes. at that time <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it's interesting because in the current comics the common dynamic as we covered in No Man's Land where like Superman arrives in No Man's Land and Batman's like, you have 24 hours to clean my city. <laughs> like He's ordering Superman around. And in this version, like Superman is the main character. So Batman never outshines Superman in the radio series. Superman would always be the one to figure shit out. Superman would al- almost be a better detective than Batman, which leads me into the biggest thing that I discovered 
because at first I thought this was a cool thing that they played around with the tunnel, and then I realized, oh, that's not the case here. Superman's a better detective than Batman overall in the whole radio series because Radio Batman is incompetent. <laughs> and I didn't realize this until I was what? going through. Radio <laughs> Batman needs Superman to rescue him all the time. He does not seem to have any gadgets, doesn't have a battering, or all he's got is the Batmobile. His main go-to whenever he's stuck in a situation is to yell for Superman to help him. Uh, whenever Robin is in danger, he always seems to have a breakdown, um, and Superman has to talk him out of it. Um, <laughs> oh, my he's God. Like the Green Hornet. There's, there's this one part where uh, Batman thinks that Robin is dead, and he's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to make them pay, and Superman's like, that's right, get mad so we can get to work. And I'm like, what the hell is this dynamic? But that is actually the original <laughs> Batman and Superman dynamic in history. Is Batman being a complete Whoa. idiot and Superman being the logical <laughs> one who was always the smartest. Now look, Batman, there's no point just standing here in front of Spider's apartment with long faces and the feeling that all is lost. I'm afraid that just about sums up the situation, Superman. Robin is... well, he... Now wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not like you to give up so easily. But what else can we do? This is the end of the trail, and Robin's not here. Nonsense. The very fact that the boy's not here indicates that this is not the end of the trail. Then where does it go from here? Well, that's what we've got to find out, and fast. Yes, but how? Well, I don't know exactly. That's it. Maybe we can pick up a clue inside Spider's apartment that'll put us on the trail again. Oh, say, that's a possibility. But can we just break in there, I mean, without a warrant or anything? I know it's illegal, but there's a life at stake. Right, and I'm for doing it. Okay, stand back. Mr. Spider Gans, here we come. So... Even though we're used to the dynamic being Batman's always the smart one and Superman is just like the main power brawn one, that's actually a role reversal of history. That's a role reversal of the original Wow. Thing. Maybe they need to go back <laughs> to that a little bit. It is hilarious. Um, interesting. If Superman was also yeah, super smart. Exactly. Uh, and, and also have detective uh, detective skills because he's an investigative reporter. It makes sense yeah. for him to have that. Make Batman a little more like Wolverine. <laughs> I'm the best there is at what I do. Uh, And then you contrast that with... (laughs) And what I do isn't very nice. Contrast that because like in the radio, like some people are like, oh, well, Radio Batman, maybe that's how he was in the comics at the time. And that's where I'm like, fuck no, this was Batman in 1939. And, you know, instead of Batman getting, uh, you know, just falling apart and nearly crying and not knowing what to do with himself when Robin was... Uh, in danger in Batman number five, one of the early Batman stories in the case of the honest crook, Batman gets so pissed about Robin's injuries. He hunts down the criminals, gets shot three times, still beats the shit out of them with the three bullets in him, brings them to the police and then passes out from his bullet. wounds. That was Batman in the 1940s. Damn. By the way, this is, so they were not doing that. (laughs) They were not doing that at all for this radio version. Uh, but, so there's a whole generation of like our grandparents maybe that grew up with or maybe our great grandparents mm-hmm. at this point uh, that grew up with that Batman. And so, <laughs> by the, so when Batman, when, when Adam West Batman comes out, they're like, that's not my Batman. My Batman's yeah. an idiot. There's a, I was looking at the episodes on YouTube, and this one user named Patch says, quote, This Dark Knight would have to work up to the level of 60s Batman, and geez louise, there's no sense of action or bravery in the man. <laughs> by the way, I'm wearing the logo of the 1940s Batman. You can't really see it because it's obscured by the microphone, but here, I'll lean back for a bit so you can oh, stand up so you can see it. 
Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's why I'm wearing Sweet. that for today. Um, but he the he would often say, "Great Jupiter," uh, and Robin. <laughs> Batman would great say that. Jupiter, Superman. Yeah. Uh, Jumping Jehoshaphat, Jupiter, Superman. Superman. What should we do? And then Batman would always. Gee Willikers. Batman would always be emotional and like not think things through, and Superman would always have to pull him back and be the logical one. I'm like, this is weird. Um, yeah, I Robin like has does not have the holy catchphrase at this point, but he does. Oh, that's a, that. Does that come? That that's comes from yeah. the '66 yeah. show, yeah. right? Does that does that exist before no, that at all? No. That's what I thought. I I, I thought yeah. that was the case. Yeah. Did they catch flack from the religious <laughs> on right? On that, I don't think For so. That. They caught more flack from the religious holy. right on Burt Ward's dick than they did on the, oh, <laughs> the, yeah. the use of holy. Is it true that they gave him pills yes. to make his wiener? At least according smaller? to him. That's according ridiculous. According to him, I would. That dude. That's that's something you just ne- you never you would never take. You just gotta you gotta like tape it back. You gotta tape it back. Or Don't something. take pills. To you know what I mean? Up. Do the. I that mean, if messed. if he if he is as blessed as he says he was, then but or as a, he is, the, I guess. Uh, you know, then that's just something. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'd I'd quit Although, the honestly. I'd quit the job before yeah, I take yeah, those pills. Yeah. No, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? They probably didn't work. That sounds. Yeah. Weird. What pills can shrink your dick? <laughs> that's ridiculous. And you also, and also, in that Bruce Lee biography, they talk about how Adam West and Burt Ward were swinging sixties, mm-hmm. baby. They were yeah. getting it left, right, and no. center. Oh yeah. yeah, that probably did happen. Uh, yeah. So and Robin top, doesn't autumn. say, you know. <laughs> Holy rusted know. metal, Batman from like Batman Forever and stuff. He says Christopher Columbus. Uh, <laughs> so it's Christopher Columbus. Sure was that a great well a guy. Batman says great Jupiter, and Superman says great Scott, just like uh, you know Doc Brown. Um, Dude, if the if if the Batman pulls out like a great <laughs> Jupiter or like a ridiculously deep cut that we're discussing right now, I will stand Standing up in my fucking you. seat. I don't care who's sitting behind me post COVID. I'll be like, <laughs> "Oh my fucking god!" Let's see. You'll be like, "Oh, you people are idiots!" Because I'm the only one that knows. And none of you know. This is my theater. Um, why did he? Please say listen that? to superhero stuff. You should know, by the way, so you can understand that reference yeah. too. Um, yeah. yeah. Plug the podcast before you get beat up. I, I would. I would love for them to do like a super, these super deep Easter yes, eggs. I would too. That would be so uh, cool. Let's see. There's more on the way. Um, <clears throat> so they needed a police ally at this time, and I think this episode is also the first appearance of it. They created, for whatever reason, they couldn't go with Commissioner Gordon. Uh, so they created Commissioner Gordon for Superman, and his name is Inspector Bill Henderson, um, who transferred over into the, uh, I think he's in the George Reeves show. He went into the comics. It sounds like he's from Fargo originally. <laughs> Bill, Bill Henderson. Oh, you betcha. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, I've met my A lot of times now, Bill uh, Henderson, they you make know? Bill Henderson African American now. Uh, so he was played by oh, David yeah. Gupta in Black Lightning, and he became Black Lightning's uh, police contact on the CW show. Um, but Doctor Blight's cool. confidence game seems to be the first of many stories uh, where Superman, Batman team up, where there's some kind of imposter of a regular hero uh, or character like Lois Lane. And Inspector Henderson always gets tricked into thinking that, like, oh, it's definitely Lois Lane who killed this guy. Or it's definitely Superman who's robbing <laughs> these banks. <laughs> so he's not very good at his Idiot. job. Um, let's see. Superman would often fly with Batman and Robin by holding each guy under his arm. Uh, <laughs> get under my arm, Batman. And then 
little ass bitch. Batman would always try to go places with Clark in the Batmobile, and Clark's like, "You, we don't need to take the Batmobile. We can go. I can take you as Superman. And Batman's like, oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> oh, I don't want to fly today. It's... Um, yeah. And I gotta come back all the way over here and get my car and in the morning. You got like super bo as well. It's I mean you know I'm under your <laughs> armpit. It kind of sucks, man. I, it's hey, let's, let's just take sweat. the car. Uh, <laughs> Superman. Okay, we got AC. Here's another thing. Uh, Clark, Bruce, and Dick are all terrible at keeping their identity secret. So Clark often <laughs> says, you know, I flew over there. I mean, uh, I took a plane. I took a plane uh, over there. Um, at one point. You sure do fly a lot, <laughs> yes. Clark, for it being 1939. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty rare in these times. Uh, at one point, weren't planes still made of balsa wood back then? <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> he was flying Wright Brothers. <laughs> at one point, he <laughs> says, That's right. "Actually, that was only like 15, 15 years earlier." Probably, by the way, yeah. It's the alien technology, of course. Of course. Yeah. He says, "This looks like a job for Superman in front of other characters sometimes." Uh, and Jimmy Olsen is like, why did you just sound like Superman? And he's like, oh, I just got excited, Jim. Um, at one time, Bruce is worried about Robin being kidnapped, and he keeps referring to Dick as Robin. And they're like, why do you keep calling him Robin? Um, the most ridiculous is Clark Kent literally gets in the back of a taxi cab with Batman and tells him where they're going to go, who they're going to cross-examine, and why. Because Batman's a complete idiot and doesn't know how to do detective work in this version. And then Clark tells Batman, hey, you better change into wow. being Bruce Wayne in the back of a taxi cab. <laughs> and then Clark then immediately speaks to the taxi cab driver. So he basically just outed Batman's secret identity to this taxi cab driver he in this him. episode called the Monkey, Bur- Monkey Burglar. Um, I felt at this time, they, it was like only a couple steps above Looney Tunes. <laughs> you know, like they just didn't take it seriously, man. I, like they, they were some internal <laughs> yeah. logic, but they they probably it wasn't like today where it had to be so watertight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I mean, it is silly. I'm not saying it's not silly, but I just think that again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely mm-hmm. wrong. But I feel like maybe the fandom at the time, may, maybe they just didn't require it that much to be so logically yeah, sound. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Was it was the demographic kids Kid, or like mostly all ages, all ages especially yeah like it was it was mostly all ages uh, pretty much uh, on this but mm-hmm. I mean kids of course were listening in and tuning in because that was yeah except for that one on Saturday night called Batman's Bunga Bunga Lounge <laughs> that, that was didn't a, work out that was a different yes, one yes. entirely uh, there were <laughs> other attempts to have a Batman solo radio series however oh there were yeah I will yeah, save yeah. that for our deeper dives for the Patreon that's that didn't that happen. Did not happen. Wait, that did I won't not ruin happen. It. But there, we have recordings of what those were. So I will go into that. What in this the is Patreon. like? This is like Batman musical <laughs> shit. Like to me, that was one of the most mind blowing episodes we did because no one talks yeah. about it, and there's fucking recordings of the shit left mm-hmm, and right. Mm-hmm. So like, I couldn't we'll believe go, it. We'll if you're listening to this, it's one of your first episodes. Go back into our do- log, listen to Batman the musical. It's personally one of my favorite ones Same. that we've done. You know, so yeah. Let's see. Uh, later that same year, in 1946, there would be a, there would be adventures where Kryptonite gets split up into four, and four villains each taken. And this would be long running storylines. I like stuff like uh, that. The first this is not this is before Red Kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Shit, that was right? all fifties. Still that was just all 50s green shit. So radio series only dealt with just pure Kryptonite, green, 
weekend Superman. End of story. Uh, the first one, some of that green yeah, baby. The first one was called the Scarlet Widow. Uh, we will go into the Scarlet Widow later because the Scarlet Widow, not the comics, but the Scarlet Widow was the basis for the first Superman movie, uh, starring Kirk Allen, uh, the radio serial. Oh, the Mole Man. No, no, no. Oh, oh, that one. No, 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 no yeah, the yeah, Superman gotcha. serial. Uh, the second one was uh, the Atom Man, and this is one of the most famous mm, storylines. Uh, the second. Uh, second radio series of this where the Nazis got a hold of the kryptonite and put it into one of their own agents uh, who is uh, the Adam Man, a man with kryptonite flowing through his veins. So this is like... This sounds like a, the precursor exactly, to Metallo. Exactly. Basically. So Adam Man was early yeah. Metallo. And that was the basis for the second Superman movie starring Kirk Allen uh, of Superman versus the Adam Man. How did they... How did they mess up calling him the Crypto Knight? I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you that one, Wolfie. That was pretty good. Obvious. <laughs> but yeah, the Adam Man. I like that. I that's that again, Adam's Superman, especially at this time, is such a like he he exists in the realm of vintage sci fi mm-hmm. yeah. in a sense. You know, I mean, it's not vintage at this point, but I don't know. I feel like uh that's a that's a, a way to look at the mm-hmm. character. I mean he needs to be updated for for sure, right. but I, I do like the 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 old popular mechanics magazines influencing Siegel and Schuster mm-hmm. and all that all mm-hmm. that bullshit like I think that's I think yeah. it's so cool so it's an interesting time because it seems like at that time maybe more than now but then again maybe it's rose rose tinted glasses but it seems like science was so fun and new I mean it wasn't new but you know mm-hmm. what I mean like there's just a lot going on and I mean there's a lot going on now but I feel like people are just so fucking jaded. Mm-hmm with science right. now like people we there's literally a fucking spaceship circling around us right now the international space station no one gives a fuck but you know what mm. i mean but i feel like people there's i don't more know of a sense i don't know what wonder it is back at the time for science sense of yeah. wonder yeah. surrounding it yes yes yeah. yes definitely yes uh all my friends are talking about it. Mystery. Sure. <laughs> okay well you got cool cooler friends you. uh let's see <laughs> <laughs> It's always talking about space. Come on. In a storyline <laughs> called Looking for Kryptonite, though, Superman finally revealed his true identity for the first time to somebody, and that was Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's cool. I don't I think like there's any comic before that's 1945, cool. 1946 that did that, but uh, he did that here. And so from then on, Bruce Wayne always knew that Clark and Superman were the same guy. Dick Grayson, however, did not. So Bruce promised not to tell Dick for whatever reason. I mean, they pretty much worked together all the time. Uh, Wait, so hold on, back up mouth. real quick. Bruce tells Dick that he's not going to tell No, no, he, he tells Clark. Clark. No, he tells Clark. I'm not going to tell Dick Grayson. So Dick Grayson gonna... doesn't know oh. that Superman is Clark Kent. In, in fact, I think... Oh, I got you. To this day? Oh, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, no. Yes, we'll be, yes. <laughs> no, in the radio series, I think Damn, Batman is the only one in the entire radio series, I think, who knows that Bruce Wayne... I mean, who knows that Clark Kent is Batman. Oh. I mean, Clark Kent is Superman. It was my <laughs> superb detective skills, of yeah. course, that led me to finding um, out. Let's see. Let me go... <laughs> Cut to, he just fucking told him. My favorite Batman-Superman story is a story called Is There Another Superman? And this ties into the Fleischer uh, stuff, actually, because you noted in the episode Showdown, there was an imposter Superman. Uh, that was like the first instance of a, like an evil Superman of a guy dressed up in a Superman outfit. Uh, they updated that type of story where there's a Superman supposedly robbing banks and giving money to he's giving money to charity and everything. And Batman and Superman. Oh, yeah, there was a Fleischer one. About yeah, yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do some interesting shit because not only is Batman in this, but uh, there is Clark has been exposed to kryptonite so much. He's been getting a lot of headaches. 
uh, random sleeping periods, uh, and he believes this might actually be him. He might actually be robbing these banks. And there's like a note left, and uh, it matches Superman's handwriting. And there's like a cool moment where he like reveals this to Batman, where he's like, um, Clark Kent is right-handed, but as Superman, I write with my left hand. Uh, so what, yeah, really, yeah, to protect his identity. So I like that's a cool little tidbit of Radio Superman. Uh, Batman, cool. however, has a th- this is one of the few times Batman is like a legit detective. He's like, I don't buy your amnesia thing. <laughs> could there be another Superman, Clark? Could you? Could there be another you? And Clark's like, well, no, I was the last survivor of the planet. And Bruce is like, are you sure? So <laughs> this is like the first time we propose that there could be an evil Kryptonian in history. Uh, Bizarro doesn't cool. show up till the 50s. Saw doesn't show up until the 60s. And the Phantom Zone shit, none of that shit was ever explored at this time. Uh, so there's a possibility that you, we have this whole ambiguity throughout the whole story. Is Superman actually committing crimes in his sleep? Or is there an evil Superman committing these robberies? And is Batman right? Um, at w- I think it's one of the Superman that he shoots out of his fingers. <laughs> what? Well, the many, Wasn't he in part four? Wasn't he what? The many Superman, dude. Wasn't there a second Superman in part four? Solar Man? Oh, in the quest for peace? He's not really another Superman. Nuclear Man. man. What is his name? I forgot. I forgot. I think I was talking about. I actually, actually, full disclosure, you guys, I've never seen Superman 3 or 4. I have not either. Everyone says they're complete (laughs) shit. Okay, so have you seen them, Wolfie? I've only seen four. I've only seen four. You skipped three? You've never seen Superman the movie? You skipped one and two? I was a little guy. I don't don't know. (laughs) Okay. That checks out, actually. I've seen parts of the one with Richard Pryor. (laughs) <laughs> um, I have, I have, I know I've seen one, but like I don't okay. remember any of it. Isn't there one where he rips uh, off his shield and throws that's it like Superman Captain America? Two, yeah. Is that two? two? Yeah, they made fun of that oh, in Family Guy you? perfectly too. Where Peter's like, "Remember in Superman?" I can't do a Peter Griffin impression. He's like, "Remember Superman two where he had that cellophane? Remember the <laughs> and time. It's cellophane S and he throws it at Non and Non gets wrapped in cellophane. Oh, yeah. and he's just like, "What was that?" Superman's like, "I thought I would stop you." He's like, "That was a minor inconvenience." I saw the Donner cut of <laughs> Oh, Superman that's two. why. That's, that's why. Seen. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the Donner I've cut. I've never yeah, seen it's that. Not in the cut. We'll, ah, we'll gotcha. watch. Okay. We'll watch the two different versions of Superman two and go into which one is is better. Again, we keep previewing deep dives and stuff here, but uh, let's see. At one point, yeah, and going back to callbacks yes, and yes. whatnot. Uh, it's good advertising, though. Um, this will call <laughs> another callback to our Batman lifestyle uh, episode. Bruce orders for him and Clark another diet thing. Scrambled eggs, bacon, buttered toast, and a glass of milk. So let's add that to his uh, diet. 1940s incompetent Batman has that. <laughs> Huge breakfast probably would slow him down. And some cigarettes for the nerves. Carbs, high cholesterol. The glass of milk does remind me, though, that in the Fat. 1966 movie, I did not mention this in the Lifestyle uh, episode, but in the 1966 movie when Adam West Bruce Wayne takes out Kitka, Catwoman, on a date, she's drinking alcohol. He's drinking a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh nice. let's see. Unwavering. Dude, if I was Batman, I'd also stay away from milk just because it's so yeah. heavy on the system, bro. Seriously, I especially he's fighting yeah, crime when I got milk, the yeah. milk milk sloshing around. Let's see. Another cool Easter It gives me the energy boost that I need. <laughs> yes. Another cool Easter egg. Is, is Superman at this time, by the way, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but <laughs> Superman at this time, does he have does he power up via the sun? You know, I would have to look on into that. It's not formally said in any of the episodes that I listened to. I don't think that was a All thing. Right. 
uh, one of the witnesses to this evil Superman is a man named Sam Wilson, which is the future name of the Falcon in the Marvel Cinematic in Marvel Universe. Oh yeah. So yeah, first, first crossover, crossover with Marvel <laughs> before the character was even created, before the Falcon <laughs> was created. Uh, is this right before Amalgam? It's definitely Amalgam before Comics, Amalgam yeah. in 1946. <laughs> Superman fought four of event. that, right? Superman what? Oh yeah, I think so. Superman yeah, yeah, fights yeah. four yeah. in that. Yeah. So here's the here's the answer to the mystery. Uh, it's a circus strongman named Bordas, uh, who is in the Superman outfit. And when people think that he bended metal, he was actually given a gadget, a, like a, a magnetic gadget that allowed him to do that. And when people thought he flew, he just actually jumped up onto, uh, he did it like a Batman thing or he jumped up onto like an invisible wire that was being, um, uh, hung from a dirigible that was flying around. So everyone's thought that they saw him flying, but actually he was just hanging onto something. Um, and so... <laughs> Those damn dirigibles yeah. were yeah, everywhere exactly. back then, the 40s. Huh? Also, it seems like circuses were just so extremely influential to <laughs> yes. everybody at this time. Like, I guess if there's not yeah. there's not much of TV at mm-hmm. all, and that you only have Facebook. Radio, yeah, it, it was like if you if you went to your circus, that was like a fucking event. I guess like, I I could imagine. That's how that's how politics started. <laughs> yeah, yes, politics yes. started in circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So. 19 okay so this is this will be the last batman superman one because this is big for history uh the dead voice was a major story because it was the first time they adapted robin's origin uh well it's the superman radio show uh i i didn't know this myself until i was looking into this and then just randomly i'm just like the man who killed dick grayson's parents i'm like what (laughs) they adapted this wow so there's no Boss Zuko. They, they, I guess they didn't have the rights of any Batman villains. They couldn't even do fucking Boss Zuko. Uh, instead... Either they didn't have the rights, or they didn't give a fuck to look any further. Well, there's, like, there's different... Because they do keep the name right for Dick Grayson's dad from Detective Comics number 38. Unless they just have... I mean, John right. Grayson's probably not that hard of a name to come up with, but still. Um, so here's this version, is that it was John and Yvonne Grayson, and they have a very different backstory than they do in the uh, comic. So John Grayson was a rich guy uh, who had an English father back in England, and decided he wanted to join the circus because he fell in love with Yvonne, and he got disowned by uh, uh, by Mr. Not? Grayson. Uh, Yvonne uh, was a French immigrant whose family was in the French re- Resistance, and uh, ah, so Robin's half French, half, half English. British, yes. uh, English, even though yeah. he talks like okay. a city kid, like a Jersey kid in the in the radio show. <laughs> uh, he, he grew he grew up there, so that, that checks out. Uh, that's why you could see him and Alfred you say in ba- the back. Yeah, fist bumping. Didn't you say Batman is Scottish? The Wayne ba- name the is, have- comes from a Scottish family. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. But a blackmailer, uh, basically the ringmaster of the circus, decides to blackmail them. So instead of Tony Zuko, it's the ringmaster of the fucking circus who's the villain here. Blackmails them to threaten to expose the family members' members' identity to the Nazis if they don't pay him. Um, so instead, uh, they refused, and that's why he cut the ropes. And that's why they fell to their death. So they actually keep the circus death adaptation from Detective Comics number 38. But they add in the political flavor cool. of the whole like French immigrant thing, the French um, resistance type of thing. Uh, so... It all sort of culminates into this big confrontation with uh, uh, one of the other villains named Marsh, who uh, is the secretary to Grandpa Grayson. Grandpa Grayson, the, the one who disowned John Grayson, 
wants to leave his fortune for Dick. Uh, but his secretary is like, well, if I kill Dick Grayson, then all the money gets to me. So he's on the hunt to kill Dick Grayson in this entire story. Again, doesn't seem like much of a Superman story. Seems very much a Robin story, but this is, again, this is wild. Also features the first yeah. adaptation of the Batboat. The Batboat is mentioned in this oh, as shit. well. I was uh, waiting for that one. Manned by both Batman and Alfred until Batman gets on and, and helps Robin out. Uh, Alfred tries to use the Batboat to go back to uh, Warren Clark Kent about and tell him where it's going on, but Alfred gets shot. <laughs> And in the bat boat, Alfred. At this time, at this time, Alfred doesn't have a British accent. Yeah, he does. He always has a British accent. Yeah, he, oh, he had does. A British accent from the oh, beginning. Oh, he always. Okay. Uh, he just didn't have the okay, SAS. Hello, Master Bruce. You know, uh, type of thing. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. He was just kind of helpless and was shot, but he got only got shot in the shoulder. Don't worry. So, you know, Superman helped take him to a doctor before finding out where uh, Batman and Robin were inevitably trapped and needed in need of rescuing as well in that storyline. Uh, but yeah, it all ended with uh, Grandpa Grayson survives. I don't know why Dick Grayson needs his money, considering he lives with Bruce Wayne. But whatever. Uh, but that was the very first produced, I should say, adaptation of Robin's origin. The first attempt at Robin's origin was in the first attempt at doing a Batman radio series. But again, I'll save that for the Patreon. Oh, so shit. Uh, that leads us into the final chapter that I want to go into of the Superman radio show where shit gets real in 1946 where they decide to use the radio show as a platform uh, to fight against racial and religious intolerance uh, multiple times, not just once, but in different storylines. So the first one is called the Hate Mongers Organization. This may or may not, this is, at this time, they started using the Sammy Tinberg theme song from the Fleischer uh, animated films as the theme song for the radio show. And uh, basically, it's a neo-Nazi group, before the term neo-Nazi even existed, I think, called the Guardians of America, and they're out to pit races up against each other. So when they find out that oh my God. Uh, a rabbi, a Catholic priest, and everybody are trying to create something called Unity House to cheat tolerance, they, the Guardians of America decide to attack that. And they start employing oh, youths man you know, very white Anglo youths uh, to attack these uh, these areas and, and these people um, under the influence of, of you know, a, a masked man who is behind the Guardians and everything. So Clark realizes that if you arrest these youths that he's employed for the Guardians of America, uh, you won't get to the main leader. The main leader will just find other people. So we need somebody who gets into the organization. We need somebody who's an undercover agent. That's where Jimmy Olsen comes in. So as I said, Jimmy Olsen ain't like some... I mean, he is held hostage at one point, but he ain't just some helpless damsel in distress. Jimmy Olsen bravely goes undercover with the neo-Nazis to help take down the head of the organization in this episode. Damn. Uh, he and he's kind. Of, so he's not a little bitch like he became. No, no, is he, he is he redheaded. He's still in this? redheaded, but I guess they don't count that against him because he's still white. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. That's, so they're not going full Aryan. With not quite. Shit, right. No, um, there's a man. Uh, he gets exposed thanks to a man he tried. He shouldn't have trusted named Adolf Klein, because who knew that a man named Adolf would turn out to be working with neo Nazis. Uh, <laughs> This is post World War II. This isn't is nineteen forty six, but yeah, this is after this is after Hitler yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hitler basically, you know, was in the bunker and killed himself. Um, okay. I got you. They, they definitely just want to make those, especially for yeah. the kids. They want to make it extremely uh, understandable. Yeah, but this is yeah. like 
Jimmy Olsen's finest hour because I've never, I've never seen this type of Jimmy Olsen. He and I realize his purpose, at least in the radio show, was to show kids who you could be. Like kids might be inspired by Superman, but you could never be Superman. But you could be Jimmy Olsen. And Jimmy Olsen, he was like the Robin. He was like the Robin, but he didn't need a costume. Love it. He didn't need the money from Billion. Yeah, he didn't need yeah. the superpowers. He was just a kid who believed in doing what was right and didn't care if it cost him his own life, even. So I'm like, you could do that with a character. Sounds like a great Amazon original series. Like, in a, you could make him the guy who is inspired by Superman. If Superman's supposed to inspire hope, you need characters who uh, are inspired to do the right thing, to stand up for That's what's right. That's the thing. Yeah. I think I think we're missing that in the yeah, movies. Yeah. A lot of the time, supposed to inspire yeah. hope. Let's show who the fuck he's inspiring. Exactly. What's their What's their fucking so, arc? Jim Olsen in the, yeah, you know in what the radio I mean? series. Jim Olsen grows up and he grows up to become even braver and braver and gutsier. And he is an example of who Superman can inspire. So I was like, that's amazing. You can either do that in the movies, or you can make him a random CIA agent who gets shot in the head in Batman versus Superman. Either way, like, that's your take on <laughs> Jimmy Olsen. They both work, don't they? The exact exactly. same way. Um, so we need a DC series of Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> you're you're really to the, to the tune of Jack Ryan or something. You're really you're really selling this Jimmy Olsen yeah. idea. I've never been a Jimmy Olsen fan until you gotta now. listen to this version of this Jimmy is, Olsen. This is yeah. cool. This is cool. Get some, get some ginger representation <laughs> up in there. All right, so I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play a it. clip for you from the Hate Mongers organization. It's that clip from Oh Brother Art, though. <laughs> They's miscegenating. Who made I, the color guard colored? I am part of a <laughs> secret organization. I need not say its name. So, uh, by the way, this is uh, Bud Collier's Superman, and you'll get to appreciate why I think Bud Collier is the Kevin Conroy of Superman. He is, like, the voice of Superman to me, especially with these types of lines that they give him, where he basically goes up against the head of this neo-Nazi organization. We don't like people who push other people around. We don't like people who spread hatred and suspicion. I was only trying to protect America from foreigners. Go on, you know America was founded by what you call foreigners. Right, Jim. Tell me, Hill, was it because you were trying to protect America that you told Muggs and his gang to set fire to Dave Hoffman's drugstore? Hoffman's a Jew. The Jews are trying to run the world. Hoffman's an American, regardless of his religious preference. Besides, as I recall, that was one of Herr Hitler's favorite lines. So, he just gets right to the fucking point. I want yes. this Damn, super bad ass. We just needed a punch sound effect right Oh, at there, is, there is, is a part they, later. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. This is, this is kind of part of, like, the... Uh, the how they save Superman's image if they don't change him mm-hmm. you know if, if there's also the route of changing his race as well i'm not saying don't do that of course yeah. but i'm saying if, if 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 they did continue with him being a white guy in the movies and stuff um you know him but then it falls into like white savior you'll, shit you'll, too. you'll see there you know there's I mean? a way to do it that'll bring up when we get when we get yeah. to it I, i've i've got i've got something on that uh, but it is. Yeah, okay. um, <clears throat> there's a part later on. Yeah, you do get to see him basically beat the shit out of neo Nazis. And at one point, the guy, the guy That's who's cool. the head of it, uh, at one point he tries to run, and Superman catches up to him, and you hear this punching sound. And Jim Olsen um, says, "Like you got him." And Superman's like, "Unfortunately, he'll live." <laughs> and I'm like, "Jesus, <laughs> this <Damn>. Superman fucks. <laughs> this is not Christopher yeah, Reeve at all." That 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 is cool, <laughs> yeah. man. That's. That's that's definitely like I think most people mm-hmm. are down for uh, 
for that kind and of and apparently uh, this storyline attracted it says it attra- according to Superman homepage attracted endorsements from dozens of organizations but also naturally generated hate mail um, but Fuck given them, the importance of this Bud Collier stepped into the media spotlight and said that he was the voice of Superman damn after years of being in obscurity he decided this was the time uh, to step that's out that's cool and- like Tony Stark and Iron Man. I am Superman. I'm Superman. Yes. Um, so that was the Unity House that is, story. That is cool, though. He chose that. Like I said, he was like the Mr. Rogers yeah, kind of yeah. guy. Um, yeah. But that was the leeway into the next one, which is probably one of the most important instances of superhero history, of, of fiction helping real life. Uh, there is a reporter, almost like a real-life Clark Kent, named Stetson Kennedy, who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan in 1946. And he found out a lot of their secrets, and he decided that he needed to find some way to expose them. And what was the most popular radio show at the time? The Adventures of Superman. Annie. Oh. So uh, he worked with the producers of The Adventures of Superman, and I'm going to read off a little bit in terms of like, there's a bit of a dispute in terms of how it came about. It says, no one is sure who first came up with the idea. Stetson Kennedy, an intrepid anti-Klan reporter, said he had brought the idea to the radio show staff. Uh, Kenyon and Eckhart, an advertising agency that worked with the show, said the idea was actually theirs. Bob Maxwell, again, the, the head of this whole thing, claimed he had to convince Kenyon and Eckhart to get on board. He certainly had a reason for wanting his company's premier superhero to take on the Klan. As a Jewish American, Maxwell recoiled in horror when he read aloud what white supremacists had done to Jewish people in Europe. He felt a duty to fight bigotry however he could. Uh, so they came up with a storyline that lasted for like a month called The Clan of the Fiery Cross. And that's where yeah. they had Superman fight the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. Uh, wow. Let's do so it. So on a, pers- on a personal note, so this is 1946, and I was surprised listening to this because uh, the leeway in is that at, as part of the Unity House baseball team, there uh, is a dispute between a white boy and a Chinese-American boy. And during oh, that dispute, uh, the the white boy who is basically kicked off the team because he doesn't like that the Chinese boy is uh, a more skilled player than him, uh, and he starts throwing you know roundabout epithets. He calls him you know he yells pitch you yellow banana, and uh, oh my god! All right, hey, that's not a roundabout. <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> I'm bad. saying roundabout. That's roundabout much- compared to what they say later. Oh, okay. Uh, macaroni right. ears. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a yeah, direct hit, yeah. but I'm sure we'll get some so, inward heavy hitter. Tommy Lee is the name of the boy, and he's got a huge, he's got dick. a huge, yeah, he's got a huge Asian dick, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's he's this talented player, and there's, there's nothing Mot- Motley Crue yeah. reference, by the way. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, so, okay. no, yeah, this is this is before that Tommy Lee, uh, but he's an Asian, yeah. he's he's a Chinese American guy, and this is premiered. A year after, on a personal note, a year after my father was born. This is the year oh, that shit. my father came. Was, Whoa. This is the America that my, my father was born into. And I can't help but wonder wow. how much like this might have helped things not be so bad you know, for, for him on that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kid doesn't like the fact that he lost his position to Tommy Lee and he tells his uncle and his uncle is like, oh, this fits into my plans. Come to this one meeting. So this uncle is, quote unquote, the grand scorpion of the clan of the fiery cross. 
And he says, quote, We're a great secret society pledged to purify America. America for 100% Americans only. One race, one religion, one color. And the kid's like, but I thought America's got all kinds of religions and colors. And he says, when we get through, there'll only be one. And so he asked, uh, he asked this white guy, this white kid, about Tommy Lee. He's, a, he's like, is he like us Americans? Can his family ever be Americans? Are they one, you know, are they good 100% Americans? And when the boy <laughs> says, well, I, no, he doesn't look like us, they go to the lawn of his house and they put a cross and set it on fire to threaten him. And they kidnap the boy with an attempt to tar and feather him. Uh, and they rile each other up and talk about, quote unquote, going after these chinks and going after the chink lovers uh, on here. And the boy who lost his position on the baseball team feels really guilty and doesn't really know. Like, that's his uncle who's in charge of the Grand Scorpion, but decides that uh, he has to be coerced by Clark to figure out uh, what to do and how to do the right thing. Uh, and ironically enough, one of the youths who, I guess, changes sides from the Hatemongers organization, the guy who used to be one of the villains of that episode, actually helps out on the good side. His name is Muggs. Uh, he was like one of the main villains of the Hatemongers organization, but he, yeah, my name he is joins, Muggs. Yeah, he, he joined Jimmy Olsen in the Unity House, and he actually helps uh, Clark's investigation in it. I'm here to join yeah. Jimmy in his operation. Yeah. Uh, and it says, even more damning was the show's climax um, where... Uh, the guy who's the Grand Scorpion tries to seek help from like one of the head honchos. And the head honcho is like, you actually really give a shit about this whole like race thing. And the guy's like, yeah, I do. Why wouldn't I? And he's just like, this is about money, dude. We don't believe in any of this type <laughs> of stuff. This is, just to, this is just for you to get rich. He says, quote unquote, you must be like the little nobodies who want to believe some other race is inferior so they can feel superior. The jerks who go for that 100% American rot. Um, so Whoa. the Grand Scorpion dude is pissed off that uh, this the head of the Clan of the Fiery Cross is not uh, really believing in the Grand Clan of the Fiery Cross, so he chokes him to death. And uh, wow, goes damn. So it does get pretty yeah, brutal at yeah. times. Shakespeare, uh, and then he tries this. to sniper rifle, basically use a sniper rifle to kill Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and Tommy Lee on the baseball field. But guess Jesus. who's faster than the speeding bullet? So, yeah. Robin. So Superman steps in and helps out. There's another part where they try to tar and feather. Wait, wait, no. They try to tar and feather Perry White and Jimmy Olsen, but then Perry White defends, saying like, you know, you'll never, you'll never win, type of thing. This is not what America stands for. Your people will lose. And he grabs the guy's hood and he pulls it off, and he actually sees the guy's face. And the guy's like, well, we were going to tar and feather you, but now we're just going to have to kill you. So Superman has to uh, come in and rescue them. So let me pull up the clip here of uh, the rest of the have outfits like the Clan of the Fiery Cross. Every country has its lame brains and diseased minds, Jim. Germany had the Nazis. We've got the Clan of the Fiery Cross. Now, oh, I just hope our country realizes the danger of these, these lunatics in nightshirts before it's too late. Well, still making one of your big speeches, eh, White? Well, save your breath. You've only got a short time left. Well, You're a madman, Riggs. You'll go to the chair for this. Don't make me laugh. I warned you, you couldn't stop the work of the Klan. Nobody can. That's what you think. I said nobody can stop us. We're going to get rid of every foreigner in this country. Everyone who thinks, acts, and looks different from us. Anybody who tries to stop us will get the same thing you're getting. Okay, boys. No, oh, the man's mad. Absolutely mad. And we're through, Chief. This is it. Harry! 
Hammett. As Grand Defender of the Clan of the Fiery Cross, you will now perform your sacred duty. Here's a gun. Take care of those two chink lovers. Okay. Here it comes, Mr. White. Easy, Jim, easy. All right, you dirty punks. Here's where you get yours. You mean here's where you get yours? What? I'll take that gun, and you take this. Superman, Chief, it's Superman. Thank heaven. Hello, Jim. I'll just get these ropes off you and Mr. Oh, White. thank heaven you've arrived just in time. And how? Hey, look, the Klansmen are getting away. Go after them, Yes, Superman. yes, these ropes can wait. Don't let them get away. Don't you worry, they won't get far. There, you're free. All right, now get behind those trees in case there's any more shooting. I'll round up our friends in the sheets. Superman beating the shit out of the KKK. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's it, it's it's delivered so. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Like it, it's it's delivered. Uh, the lines are delivered seriously. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm missing the word. But so it's very like realism is right, the word yeah. that comes to mind. It seems it com- like it you're, comes across as real. Like they're not they're not trying to make. A perfect Superman thing or whatever. Like we're so caught up in, I, I'm just on this. I'm on, I'm on right, this now for yeah. some reason. We're so caught up in canon and, and getting it right. But what they're trying to do in this instance in history is try to a tell a good story and one that's extremely pertinent to what's going on mm-hmm. at that time and actually write the fuck exactly, down yeah. too. Really, which is mm-hmm. sad. But but uh, I mean that I think like there's a lesson in that too as far as. It's more important to just, I mean, of course, tell a good story, but to really, ta- you know, tackle those times right mm-hmm. now, you know, mm-hmm. something extremely important going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, and it's, this is where Superman goes from being just uh, just a random superhero in comics for you to read and actually starts influencing real life. Because uh, they used the story to start leaking out certain secret practices the whole grand scorpion thing is obviously based off the grand wizard thing passwords practices secret handshakes the costumes and all that they use it to expose everything and when this was released uh the kkk took a huge hit in membership uh there's a story that came about super one of the kkk members comes home from work and he sees his son uh and his son has found his clan hood and he's using it to, quote-unquote, play Superman with the neighbor kid. And the neighbor kid's playing Superman, and he's playing the Klansman. And, of course, because it's, they're playing Superman, the Klansman always gets his ass beat uh, when they're playing it or whatever. And he looks at this, and he's like, how can I continue in this clan if my own kid thinks I'm the villain of the story? So he drops yeah, boy, out of the that's KKK. Cool. That's that's where you figure yeah. it out? I think I know I always bring up Grant Morrison, yeah. but I'm a huge fan. And he said that, like... You know, there's stories like mm-hmm. this, and there's stories like how many depressed people read a Superman story, you know, in the 75, right. 80 years he's been around and didn't commit suicide. Right. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? Like, in some sense, Superman is, li- and of course, other heroes as well, but Superman is saving yeah. lives. Exactly. You know, it's the power, the power of fiction, the power mm-hmm. of storytelling, but there's something, there's something really interesting about yeah. that, you yeah. know? So yeah, this, totally. is the, this is arguably the greatest. Uh, <laughs> this is arguably one of the greatest radio uh, episodes. I mean, storylines of the entire series uh, on air. It's just thrilling yeah. even to listen to today because some of the radio stuff is just like, oh, it feels dated. But this stuff, I'm just like, holy shit! I can't believe they did this uh, at that time. Yeah. Uh, the behind the scenes story was turned into a book called Superman versus the KKK, 
Uh, it was adapted into an episode of Drunk History, um, but uh, producer Adi Shankar. Oh, I've never seen that, but I would definitely mm-hmm. see that. Uh, producer Adi Sh- oh, Shankar, Shankar did this announced that he wanted to make a movie out of the whole Stetson Kennedy turning to the producers of Superman thing in 2018, adapting the book mm. uh, Superman vs. I, I think that's the same guy that made that. It's the same guy that made that R-rated yeah, Power Rangers exactly, thing. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Castlevania, mm-hmm. American anime right, series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I decided to revisit or visit. Uh, there's a comic book adaptation of this story called Superman Smashes the Clan. Uh, nice. It's by Jean Luen Yang, art by Guri Hiro. So we got Asian artists behind this uh, type of thing. They set it in 1946, and at first I thought, like, oh, he, maybe he just turned the radio show into a comic. What he did was he combined the storyline of the of the Clan of the Fiery Cross with sort of modern aspects of the Superman story and, and gave Superman more of a personal note to it, which is that in this version, Superman is still the original Golden Age one. He, he only leaps, um, has super strength and that type of stuff. And it's revealed the reason why he doesn't fly or have X-ray vision and stuff is because he doesn't completely embrace the fact that he's an alien. He doesn't want to think that he's an alien because he wants to fit in. He wants other people. Oh, to. so he doesn't want to do suit. He doesn't want the, the very he, alien he powers to, like laser vision yeah, and shit. He, he just vision, wants to be but he, Superman. He just wants to be a regular man, just more. That's yeah. interesting. That's and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's the part where he takes on the Grand Scorpion. The Grand Scorpion is like, I thought you of all people would be part of us because you're the example of the superiority of the white man. That's not. Mm. Okay. I, I yeah. love that. Okay. And keep so going. Superman yeah. realizes. Once he hears that, he fly, he speeds over to the Kents. And he says, I want to promise you that no matter what happens, uh, what's about to happen, um, I'll always love you and I'm always going to be here for you and everything's going to be okay. And he hugs them. And the next time he shows up is to stop the Grand Scorpion from killing uh, at the baseball stadium. And when he shows up, he's flying. And he says, I'm oh, not shit. from here. I'm Whoa. an alien. I'm from Krypton. I am not Whoa. your superior oh. man. I am like them. I just got and the I'm chills. here to defend everybody. Not because there's anybody like me out in the world, but because we're all part of the same world itself. It doesn't matter if they're my kind or anything like that because there's no one else from my kind. That's what you don't get. Right. And right. I was just floored. I think this is probably my favorite yeah. Superman comic ever, just from reading it uh, the other day. Uh, there's it's, so much... It's ongoing, right? No, 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 it's no, still no. going, it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a close-ended thing. It's its own Elseworlds thing. It's set in oh, 1946. Yeah. Uh, but, my oh, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman versus the Klan is the Superman name. smashes the Klan. Smashes the Klan. Smashes. Smashes yeah. the Klan. Superman versus the KKK. And it's is like, a, what, three issues or something? Three or, or four issues, yeah. But it's it's a fantastic update of, of the radio. God damn it. Yeah. I'm going to read is, it. I'm like, this is what... I know we were talking about, like, you know, I get bored watching Superman smash another alien in the face. Uh, but the reason why is I was <laughs> listening to this shit for most of the week. So I'm like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, just watching him fight Lobo is like, meh. I just saw him take on oh, the man. KKK. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know, I get you. I, I, I like Lobo though yeah, too. Yeah, but that's a whole. That's a I whole just wasn't in the mood for that after reading this yeah, comic, and yeah. I was like, "This is fucking like." I almost teared up just saying what I was sharing to you guys. I was like, "This is amazing." I would yeah. love for the people. No, that is really yeah, good. So this, I want to see mm-hmm. that yeah. done in an animated film. I want to see that comic done in an animated film, maybe with Daniel Day Kim as Superman. That would be cool. That would be uh, cool because it is also Asian writers for this, right? Asian American. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so that would really. And I would love out. to see somebody do the Fleischer uh, style of some of these stories, especially the Batman ones, <laughs> and have an animated Fleischer <laughs> Batman, but he's kind of an idiot. Uh, so you know, is there another <laughs> Superman or the Dead Voice, the one with the Robin thing? Uh, but yeah, so the Dead Voice. Uh, okay. So just to wrap this up, uh, Bud Coyer was in 325 syndicated episodes. Uh, he was in 1,610 15-minute shows and 73 half-hour episodes. Uh, and he left the role in 1950, and for one year it was an actor named Michael Fitzmaurice uh, in the role for it. Oh, shit. Uh, but, uh, and then almost immediately after it stopped in 1950, 1951, Bob Maxwell took the show to television. And that's where he incorporated the characters he helped create with Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, Inspector Henderson, and that was the George Reeves show. Did they see at this time? Did they see as a, as kind of a reboot, or was it like we're, we're sort of uh, it was a reboot? It was show it, and the fly yeah, it was like a were connected. It was kind of a reboot where like they still retold the Krypton reboot, yeah. story. They still had the Kents and and everything. Like I haven't I haven't checked it out, okay. but I know that George Reeves is almost. Like when, people, when people say, like, oh, I miss the George Reeves Clark Kent or something, they're talking about this type of Clark Kent. They're talking about this Clark Kent who could actually, like, you could forget that he was Superman and he would still be a compelling, active character. Right, right, right. On that, so. Right. But right. that is uh, that is the deep dive into the Superman radio show and why I prefer the radio Ooh, show good. over the Fleischer cartoons. That was awesome. So. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, those sound so great. What are your thoughts, then, on uh, what you heard? Any tidbits that you were uh found interesting you take it wolfie yeah those are great i love how i mean in those last episodes how like just like on the nose they were with their criticisms and commentary against racism even at a time that seems like now everything's so crazy uh, about racism and stuff but at a time where these kind of issues are really coming to light for the american public who maybe like 20 or 30 years later in some parts of the country, they were praising the KKK, mm. you know, after like birth of the nation yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, I found that to be really compelling, but then also what you're talking about, uh, Bud Collier and hearing his voice and stuff, not having heard any of these episodes and how powerful that is and how like mm. raw these episodes seem to be not to mention the mythology that they were building through this radio show prior to all this stuff we've known about Superman. Um, uh, it's really cool. It's like, you know, it's a whole other dimension to Superman that I had. Like, I'm in. I like yeah. the Superman shit now. Not that I didn't, but that was great. Yeah, I think this stuff goes to show you that the more you dive into Superman, the mythology therein, mm-hmm. it's uh, it just gets more and more interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the clan story you, you told was incredible. Um <laughs> Even though it's like mostly spoiled for me oh, now, sorry. I'm gonna. <laughs> just, no, it's okay. That's good. I, I I don't mind it actually. I'm still I still want to read it. That's how yes. good it is. It's uh, worth hearing the radio one too. It's on YouTube as well. Yeah, and yeah, cool. and, and like we said before, like you know, the line delivery being pretty serious for what it is. Um, like the Fleischer cartoon, they I don't know. I, I they were just trying to have like a little cartoon action spectacle, yeah, you yeah, know. I know. And and but it doesn't quite get that urgency, that like what we heard. I mean, it does sound like adults yelling at each other. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. 
which is really mm-hmm. it's what it is. So which is right. kind of which is kind of nice in a way. It's not big like colorful dialogue and like bombastic characters. Yeah. It's almost like it has to be real because of how they need to convey and like relate to their audience emotionally or whatever. What's that? So interesting. It's just sad to me now. Like we're sort of back at this similar. I mean. I don't know what clan. I don't know what the fucking clan registration numbers are like these days, but it just doesn't seem yeah. great. Again, it's like, why does this shit ramp up every mm-hmm. now and again? Well, now and they're pop- proud boys and boogaloo's. Yeah, what's going on, man? I it's it's we need it's Superman. sad. When Superman or we need Asian Superman to be inspired by people to be inspired by <laughs> Superman or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I was thinking this is sort of a side thing, but I'll finish soon. The, you know, like. Uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that whole movie, the way it's written is, it's less about Ferris Bueller's arc, it's more about everybody caught in his hurricane. Mm. He causes arcs all around mm. him. That mm. that movie is written, is written that way, and yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe they could take that, I, I'm always thinking of a way they could make a Superman yeah. movie, you know, That's or, cool. or That's a Batman a great... movie. Because, you know, Superman, like we said before, like his, he doesn't have a whole lot of internal struggle. He just fucking right. saves mm-hmm. people, you know? Like, if, if, if there was a movie that they could write where people were caught in his hurricane of goodness, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And people that were inspired, people that need forgiveness, but they don't seek Superman for forgiveness. They, they find it in right, themselves yeah. because, the, because they've seen something. They've been inspired enough to find mm-hmm. it in themselves. You know, there's something, there's something in that. I think. Yeah. No, and it's it's like at the end of one of the big plot points of Hatemonger's organization is how he turns all of the youths who were part of the neo Nazis, and he turns them against the main guy, and he finds a way to that's cool to to get mm-hmm. through to them, yeah. and that's that's why one of them ends up helping during the Clan of the Fiery Cross storyline. Uh, actually listened to them in reverse order so I was like there's no way this kid becomes that in the other like they must have used the same name and then later on at the end they established no this kid went to ended up being part of Jimmy Olsen's unity house and and helping out and I'm like all right I guess he has a character arc again 1946 radio series there's character development and, and stuff and this is this yeah. is why I, yeah, yeah that's good this is why I love I love the radio show and this is why I was like this is the part of Superman people don't talk yeah. about because people don't listen to old radio shows <laughs> they just don't it's it's common yeah, yeah. not just for Superman especially for Superman and a lot of incarnations but it's common for the main character to be the most watered down. Mm-hmm person in the whole story because you need an avatar that everybody can see themselves into mm-hmm. and that means like you can't see yourself in that character for some reason but the thing is though maybe that's wrong because and maybe the 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 publishers and the movie studios are thinking about the wrong way because look at how popular deadpool mm-hmm. is i know wolfie hates his sense of humor but he is a ridiculously popular character and he's often the most exciting person on screen or on the page you know mm-hmm. what i mean full of character so, yeah, they need to maybe rethink this watering down of, of, uh, mm. of uh, especially like every, Clark's personality, yeah. you know? The everyman kind of yeah. drabness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even, even that early stuff when it's talking about, like, some of the de- more detective work kind of stuff, I mean, maybe we could see more of that peppered into some of these later movies and, uh, you know, and a tougher Jimmy Olsen yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah, tougher Jimmy Olsen. That sounds be cool. great. There's so much meat, and I mean, it seem, even seems like Lois. She had a little. She had a little yeah, spunk yeah. to her. She does she in the Fleischer yeah, ones a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Because the chief says, don't go there, Lois. It's dangerous. And she's basically like, see yeah, chief. Exactly. And she heads that off true, without yeah. the fucking chief. Yeah, so she, uh, even in Fleischer, she's got a lot of agency, mm-hmm. which is which mm-hmm. is pretty yeah. cool and pretty progressive for, uh, for that time, for sure. And thank you for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at SuperheroStuffPod, as well as on Twitter on SuperHousePod. Uh, you can also follow me if you want uh, on Instagram at Ben Juan Ryder. Over to Wolfie. Hey, this is Wolfie. You can follow me on Instagram at Wolfie Cruz or Cruzco Comics at Cruzco Comics C O M I X. I mean C R U Z Z C O C O M I X. Do you know your um, handle, also, bro? Listen to our other. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I have to spell it out because it's yeah. a bunch of bullshit. Coco I, Mix. I, I aim for the bullshit, but um. Uh, also check out our other, other podcast the overly critical hyperanalytical movie club podcast as well as come join the facebook group the overly critical hyperanalytical movie club uh, and i'm sure there's something else i'm forgetting but get you next time and i'd like to thank cardi b also <laughs> kooky noms matt herring elijah b shamrock balls aaron willett ian h dan d leom o and super inframan please join the shasta army at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod we have a $5 tier on there, and if you join that, you get the bonus feed. It's extra episodes every week. We do uh, the deeper dives on there and whatnot. And uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, also, please uh, record us a phone bumper like you've been hearing recently uh, from the fans. And uh, if you do that, share that uh, little audio recording on your voice recorder app to Superhouse podcast at gmail.com and you too can be on the show and i am thunderwolf drew on twitter and instagram check us out on youtube if you haven't already and that's it from me signing off this is wolfie signing off uh and this has been before i sign off instead of the usual outro uh with a theme song i thought i would leave you with the words of bud collier at the end of the hate mongers organization this is the speech that he makes towards the neo-Nazi characters. However, I think it's very relevant and it seems like he was speaking to the audience of 1946 as well as the audience of currently 2020. So here it is. But remember, remember this as long as you live. Whenever you meet up with anyone who is trying to cause trouble between people, anyone who tries to tell you that a man can't be a good American because he's a Catholic or a Jew or Protestant or whatever, you can be pretty sure he's a rotten American himself. Not only a rotten American, but a rotten human being. Don't ever forget that.